right, everybody, welcome back. It is episode six of the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I have a special guest today because I'm sure everybody is beyond tired of listening to me rant and rave for an hour to an hour and a half. So I thought I'd change it up today, and I actually um, threatened slash bribed my longtime workout partner, uh, Ryan Gant, to join me today to kind of carry the load. And uh, so Ryan is here with me today. Say hello, Ryan. How's it going, everybody? And that is Ryan. Uh, and he's <laughs> with me today. Uh, we are keto for the extreme physique culture, as you know, or as, as some would like to say, keto for badasses. And the cool thing about the podcast today is because, you know, I can talk about the shit that I always talk about and the shit that I do in terms of training and contest prep and nutrition. And now I've actually got somebody with me who can back up all the shit that I do and say, I do a lot of the same damn stuff. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so I'm not just, I'm not just making this stuff up and you know, you know, Ryan will be able to back up that, uh, we, we both live this life and we both, uh, you know, we walk the walk. So, uh, yeah. not only do we preach, but, uh, you know, we get down and we act as well. So, It'll yeah. be great having him on today so he can he can take some of the pressure off me, thank God, because <laughs> like because like I said, I'm just, shit, six episodes now. You're probably tired of hearing me blab all the time. So no, so anyway, no, so but but Ryan's really a nice guy, maybe too nice. Well, so maybe, I appreciate that. <laughs> maybe we can get a we've got still got some. Dude, I'm telling you, I was thinking about this last night. Um, I thought there wouldn't be a perfect occasion. There would be no other perfect occasion than to bust open that bottle of whistle pig i think this is as good a like time as really like right now like really like right now wow like, this is a very professional podcast <laughs> well it's it's 20 to 1 <laughs> on a thursday thirsty thursday i it i can't think of a better time to take a slug of whiskey on a health and bodybuilding and nutrition podcast hey, I'm, I'm just saying whenever i mean you... if you want to grab it and uh, you know uncork that bitch and and pour two in i mean be my I mean, guest I just got to go ahead and tell you, man, I mean, you gave me my start, so I just got to give you thanks, and I couldn't say any... Well, open that a, bitch a, up. A better let, thank you than that. Let's, so. let's toast it. So, right, so, I mean, we can do this just because, I mean, our diets are in check, and I mean... Good point. So, good point. As I mean, far as you people know, yep. <laughs> our diets are in check. So, I mean, you can afford to do this sometimes. We, we, yeah, sometimes. Not sometimes. all the time. That can form a problem. Don't do that. But This is a very good point. <laughs> Ryan makes a very good point. Right out of the gate, he's making good points. Yeah, I try to. I try to please everybody <laughs> maybe you should just Hold do on. this show from now on okay ryan is no. now getting up to get the he got this uh i don't know for for all of you whiskey bourbon connoisseurs out there oh no brian ryan's breaking stuff now Sorry. um he got a he got gifted a really fine bottle of uh whistle pig uh, is it whiskey yes yeah whistle pig which is a which is a distiller uh, whiskey and uh, I've never had it. I just know it's expensive, which is probably why I've never had it. Well, it was from a client. Um, she's been with me for yeah. It's from a client since, ever since I started here. Right. So when Ryan was it after your first show? It was yes. Or, it was after my first show. After his first show, um, his client got him this bottle. Are there two little glasses up behind ah. my giant, you know, display of trophies and medals up there on the? Just, you know, pointing that out. Yeah, All right. So he's opening up this high end whiskey and we're going to. I've been so excited to do this. It's been over a year. 
Ladies and gentlemen, show me another damn bodybuilding, fitness, and nutrition podcast where they drink whiskey uh, on the air. I'm not condoning our activity, but I am saying that we are at the very least unique. All right, we're getting him all mic'd up and headphoned up again. Well, we did say keto for badasses, so this is true. I mean that this is, is uh, that's kind of what we got going on there. Yeah, we are we are alphas, so yes. we like to drink a little whiskey, smoke a few cigars, and eat raw steak. So, and by the way, just one glass for all you J- yeah, alcoholics just out there. <laughs> just one. So, all right, cheers, cheers, Ryan. Ryan. Uh, all right. Wow, that's really smooth. That is very smooth. Can't complain. Mm. That's one of those whiskeys that just kind of... You know what would go very well with that? Steak? Steak. That is exactly, <laughs> what, I, <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. I, I warned everybody in a Facebook post just minutes ago that we were jumping into the bunker to record this. And I said uh, that it's either going to be fantastic or it's going to be, you know, going to go completely off the rails. But either way, it was going to be entertaining. And I think we've already hit the mark. So I think so. So anyway, we're drinking whiskey as we do the podcast. Only thing missing is the steak. Steak will come later. So mm-hmm. I should probably explain who the hell you are a little bit more. Sure. Uh, Ryan is, well, first of all, I, I met Ryan here at uh, the gym that, that we have here in the sticks of Western North Carolina, where we make all the magic happen with our clients. And how long have you been a trainer here now? If you can believe it, it's we just passed the four-year mark. Holy shit, really? It's been that long. Been wow. that long already. Damn. Okay, so Ryan's <laughs> a trainer here. He's one of my top trainers. Uh, I mean, a high-level member of the team. And uh, when did we start training together? It, I, it was pretty much right out of the gate. pretty much right out of the gate, wasn't as it? As soon as I, I walked in um, four years ago in September. and So what year I, was that? Shit. Um, 2015. 15, 16, somewhere in so there. So that would have been right after I did my... It was right after you had done a show. Yeah, I'd just done a show. And then you and I started training together. Yeah. Um, I remember um, whenever I first walked in here, um, I have a sports background and I know that you had d- competed in bodybuilding and was just looking for something that I wanted to compete in again. And I, we we just instantly clicked and we just, yeah. we've been workout partners ever since. Yep, and I'm like 84 years old, and Ryan is 17. <laughs> no. So um, even though there's some age difference there, you know, he's he's like the brother I've never had. So it's 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 just been. I like fun. to say that I push the old guy. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's not lying. And you know what? To be honest with you, though, that that is why it works so well because you know I've got great workout partners. We yeah. have great workout partners, but. It seems like, you know, you were the one that came in and you were never going to allow me to slack. And then I would do the same to you. Yep. And it was almost, you know, you know, you know, my friend Melvin that I've actually Mm -hmm. discussed here on the podcast and we're going to have him as a guest soon. It really took me back to those days when I trained with him and he never let me, you know, off ever. I mean, it's of utmost importance. I mean, you talked about it on the podcast the other day. Um, just being able to train at a very high intense level, um, that's how you're going to grow Yeah. whenever you can push yourself beyond your limits. And it's very important that you have people that support you. Absolutely. Doing that. Absolutely. And I, and I've said this before, I don't know if I've said it on the, I don't think I've said it on this podcast. We're only six in now, but, um, and I'll stand by this statement till I die. You will never get the same workout on your own 
as you will working with someone else. Absolutely not. Yeah, and I, absolutely. And I, you cannot change my mind. I'm not saying that you won't work out hard by yourself because we yeah. both do on those rare occasions that we have to do that. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, if you have a good workout partner and, you, and you're trying to train to failure, you, you literally have said, I want to train to failure today you need somebody to push you through an extra two reps yeah. or something like that. Because, you know, just as well as I do, there's more to a movement than just the concentric action to the eccentric action, rest, pause, all that good stuff. And you need somebody that can help right. spot you and do stuff like that. And also, and I, I'm, I'm sure you might agree, there's those days, you know, we live in the gym. Mm-hmm. Literally. And we literally practically live here. And <laughs> we you have know, the, two couches. We do we do have two. I have a very cozy office, by the way. Yeah. So this is a very cozy seat. On those rare occasions where it would probably be wise that I didn't stay at home for the night because I've done something wildly stupid. <laughs> at least I know I have a backup plan. I'm not going to be sleeping in the street. But you know those days where um, we've trained people all day long, mm-hmm. and now it's time for us to work out. And yeah. you know everything gets in the way. Life gets in the way. So I'll come out and I'm thinking, God, you know, damn. Tired. I want I want to work out. I'm not going to miss it, but I'm tired and whatever. And you know, there's that little voice that says, "Oh, let's not jump into that insane workout today. Let's dial it back a little bit." And I may have that mindset, and then you'll walk up and say, "All right, let's do 100 leg presses. Let's, let's do go. 100 <laughs> leg presses, supersetted with freaking Bulgarian like, split squats." And like, then, why <laughs> are you doing this to me? <laughs> and I'm like, and because of our mentality, we're not going to say no. No, absolutely. I not. I mean, we may I'm feel completely <laughs> like kicked in the nuts, and but uh, you know, there's no way we're not we're going to say no. And we've both done we've done that to each yeah, other. Absolutely. Many, many. You probably done that more for me than I've ever done for you. It's probably because you're young and I'm old, that whole thing again. But uh, if it wasn't for those days, I will continue to do it. <laughs> if it wasn't for those days where you said, you know, where I'm thinking to myself, oh, I, I can deserve a slightly easier day. And then you're like, you know, let's do a, a couple of rest pause hundreds today. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, okay. Well, and because no. of our mentality, like I said, we're not going to say no. Well, like I said before, like I've always been a competitor my entire life. So that just, it transfers. Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, where I was getting it before, and I know we'll get sidetracked this whole podcast. You've got, um, obviously now a background in competition in, in physique competition, you're a gifted personal trainer, but you also have a background in like sports and conditioning and athletic coaching. Tell us about that a little bit. Um, so when I took the job here, um, I was doing anything and everything I could to gain clients. It started with one, developed a 10, then it kind of just snowballed into this grand thing. And we, I remember whenever you first brought me on board, it's, you were t- telling me it's very important that you can find a niche, um, especially to be very successful in this, well, fitness industry. There's right. so many different avenues in which you can go. Um, so me, just getting back to my roots a little bit, I played baseball growing up. God, whenever I was three, I think my dad had a, you know, one of those little plastic bats in my hand and I was just outside all the time playing baseball. So I took two years into this position, personal training for you. I saw an ad, uh, well, the coach from Catawba Valley Community College, a local college here in Hickory, North Carolina, um, he said that he needed some help. with strength conditioning for their baseball team. And it just so happens that I actually played college baseball for that team. So I was like, huh, it just kind of hit me in the face a little bit. Like, 
all right, if that isn't writing on the wall that I need to do did, that. Now, did they make the correlation that you were alumni there and that you yeah, played? That's like, the whole oh, thing. Shit, this is perfect. Yeah, you know? that's the whole thing. It was um, we, the whole mentality um, for last year. It obviously got cut short because of COVID, COVID nonsense and that sort of thing. But it was to bring a certain culture back to uh, the program. Um, because whenever I was there in 2012, we went to the College World Series and that sort of thing. We were pretty damn good. And I mean, and then they went back again in 2015. They built up a pretty reputable um, program, um, but they kind of lost track of that over the past three, four years. And then um, Coach Rozelle and I sat down, he's the head coach, and he was like, dude, I have way too much on my plate. I'm taking care of the strength conditioning. I'm taking care of the coaching. I'm taking care of talking to the parents. I'm taking care of talking to the athletic director, all of the things that encompass a program. And I need a little bit of load taken off. Um, so he just turned the keys over to me and I got in my foot in the door for their strength conditioning program and, and just started training college athletes. And then that open doors to other avenues, um, training younger athletes here in the gym, one-on-one clients. And I mean, I love working with kids. I love working with youth athletes and that sort of thing. But also obviously me having my inner athlete still in me, I like to compete. I still like to train clients that want to compete for competition and other things. And obviously just better their lives in general so and i'll bet they hate you yeah they don't really like me very much you you brought back the more hardcore (laughs) yeah that's exactly that's exactly what they were looking for and that's what a a lot of um programs are they've kind of gotten away from that they're getting soft (laughs) right you know i gotta be honest with you um the the big gym that i you know worked at before i finally opened my own gym back in 2010 um the minor league team here in town um, used to train over there. Oh, yeah. And what always blew me away is, you know, in would walk, you know, 15, 20 guys mm-hmm. and with like two, two coaches. And what I was amazed by is how little was happening or, or how little. Yeah, a lot. And of- these guys were like just the next level. You know, they were the minor leagues of the pros. And I'm thinking to myself. Like, Jesus, how they're standing do you, around for an hour. They're, they're doing nothing. And I'm thinking, how do you manage 10 or 15 guys when it's only one or two coaches? I mean, what's what's the secret to getting 10 guys well, uh, kill themselves and, and I can go know, holding you, them accountable? I can go ahead and tell you, a lot of yelling's involved. <laughs> I would think it would have to be. Yeah. I mean, I played a little bit of football when I was young, and I all I did was get yelled at. And yep. you know. You've never really seen me like yell, yell, like at... Well, some of my younger athletes, I kind of keep it at a moderate level. Um, whenever I'm in here with clients, we have some older generation folks in here that come in here and I don't want to give them a heart attack. Sure, but, sure. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You just, All right. Con- so that's so so that's awesome. So you've got not only, you know, now physique competition, general personal training, but, you know, strength and conditioning coach. So so you're wearing a lot of hats right now. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. But uh, and we're going to talk about the physique competition a little bit later. First, though, since I have you here, I want you to help me with something. Sure. Um, I wanted to start doing some Q&A stuff on the podcast because people have been asking for that. And, you know, question and answer is always a very popular thing. So yep, I thought not only would, you know, I give my answer to some of these questions, but I'd like to get your response to some, too. Because absolutely. Two is better than one, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about 
ketogenic yeah. stuff. Yeah. If you're talking <laughs> about really more is better, that, that yeah. definitely applies in money and women. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Skip the women part because we're both married. We're both married. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan just got married. Yeah, just got married. How, God, it's... It's been a month already. Just a month? Yeah, just a month. So you're like still living in the still salad, in the salad days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm 25 years in. So, uh, well, and it's just getting hey, better and better, better and better and, yes. and better. <laughs> no, it is awesome. I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. But uh, so what I did, this is going to, I'm going to go ahead and embarrass myself a little bit. <clears throat> so I'm on Instagram and I, I've seen people do this thing in their stories where they say, ask me a question. Mm-hmm. And I definitely did want to gather some information for the podcast to have some, you know, some content, but I thought I'd also answer some of them on Instagram as well. Well, when a whole slew of people ask the questions, dumbass me still can't figure (laughs) out how to answer the question and repost it with the answer back on my story. So I'm going to have to get with my 13 year old daughter on that one and yep, don't ask me either me how to do it <laughs> because I, don't, I couldn't figure that shit out. Yep, don't I'm, ask I'm, me either. I'm just not that gifted yet. So I thought, okay, then I'll use all these questions for the podcast. So we're just going to do a couple of them and then have a little fun with it. So the first one is because when you live the lifestyle that we do, you know, everybody's minds at some point get back on carbs. Uh, the question was, what is your favorite healthy carb? Now they say healthy. I'm assuming that means probably like a low sugar, mm-hmm. you know, more nutrient dense, you know, sort of thing. I'm assuming they didn't go into any other detail than that. So, um, what would your favorite sort of healthy, more nutri- nutrient dense, like if you could, like if you're doing a refeed or you're doing like hands down sweet potato. Okay. Hands down sweet potato. You know what? Can we have like. Co, co? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, the weird thing about me is I love sweet potatoes too. Yeah, and you just, dude, I mean, coming off a of prep and oh and a God. cut going into peak week, I'm telling you, let's like, not let's save that. All right, all right let's fine. save that because right, we're cool. gonna tell the story about how when you get as deep into the diet as we did, <laughs> a sweet potato is like fucking chocolate cake, like yams, sweet <laughs> candy <Man>. yams. <laughs> um, I love cereal. Yes, cereal but oddly, I, I don't like like the sugar shit cereal. I like hearty, you know, like granolas and things like that. Mm-hmm. So my every once in a while on a refeed, I'll get like organic um, granola, like cinnamon granola or something like that. I love that. And then sweet potatoes would be my other one. Yeah. So. And on a on an off chance, I, I do like a bagel every once in a while. Yeah, bagels are cool. Bagels, bagels are, cool. are all right. Yeah. Like like a all like a everything bagel that has yeah. everything on it. Just all right. Yeah. So there you go. Whoever asked, I, I can't see the name on this the way I have it, but whoever asked that, there you go. Favorite healthy carb. Okay, next question. Do you think low weight high reps are as effective as high weight low reps? Hmm. So do you think low, like lightweight, high reps are as effective as heavier weight and low reps? I think so. I think they're effective. Both are effective. Um, it kind of, in my opinion, it, it would depend on what phase you're in in your training cycle. But um, if, like I said before, if your nutrition's right and you have a goal in mind, um, both of them can be just as equally as sure. effective. Now for me, I, I think the higher weight, lighter rep is more of a, 
It's more of a hypertrophy-driven program. It's more of a finisher for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as well, when we go as heavy as we can yep, for then, that typical yep. hypertrophy rep range of that, you know, 8 to 12, 8 to 15 reps. But then we also will throw in, like, rest pause stuff. But we keep the rest pause heavy, too. Yep. Because it's not like we pick a weight that we can do 100 of. We mm-hmm. pick a weight that we can do 15 of and then keep taking, you know, your very short breaks and keep that intensity so high that we're about to freaking die by the time we get to 100 or we do 50 or whatever. And then, uh, but every once in a while, like as a finisher, you know, we've gone yeah, through we'll, a brutal chest and tri workout where yeah. everything is heavy as shit. And then we'll throw in a hundred tricep, a hundred tricep press downs or something like yeah. that. My opinion would be as an entire workout, I would never go lightweight, high rep yeah. unless it's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. week out from a show. See, yeah, that, that was kind of the point that I was trying to make. I think they're both equally as important and especially like towards the beginning of the workout when you're fresh, you can go a little bit heavier. Your body's more conditioned to do that at that point break it down the way you want to and then you can definitely finish it off finish it off well everybody listening to this who's listened to any of these knows that that i'm a i'm an intensity guy you know high intensity that's the thing lower volume i mean we work out with what sometimes five guys Mm -hmm. total and when we're still done in 45 minutes yeah it doesn't take long two sets i know one people i've I've seen one guy work out for two freaking hours yeah the hell's the point yeah, I, I get them on my Facebook he, guys Then he the wants time. to know why he's not getting any results. Where sometimes we'll have five guys rotating through a brutal workout. And like you said, we'll do two sets. But those two sets Earth. are to the death. Yes. And I'm I'm not talking to the death. To, I mean, our to the death is different. <laughs> to your to the death. It's relative. <laughs> to, I mean, you know, we go until it's it's blood curdling screaming can't move the weight you better get this off me or i'm yep. gonna screaming kill tear myself. coming down your coming yep. down your cheek whatever it takes yeah for sure okay so i hope that clears that up I, yeah i like to do the the lower weight high reps only for certain things at certain times but otherwise it's i definitely lift like, heavy yeah yeah okay i definitely like them for finishers so yeah um how uh, around how many fat grams do you consume daily on a cut now that Obviously, that's going to vary for me by what I weigh, mm-hmm. you know, the number of fat grams in a cut for me. Now, obviously, I reduce my fat in a cut than what I would do on a, yeah. on a, on a bulk or a gain phase. But mm-hmm. I can say that maybe this, to, to give the most clarity to this, I never go below 50 grams, yep. e- even in a hard cut. Uh, unless, I'm like, there's a strategy that we'll use where we occasionally do, like, a protein day. Yeah, where it's just protein to kind of kick things in again, and especially that those last three weeks. Those last prep. three weeks, right? And but the thing about it is, with fat having nine calories per gram, yeah, you know, fifty grams of fat when you're when you're taking in two hundred and fifty grams of protein, yeah, <laughs> fifty grams of fat is not much fat, not that much. I mean, you know, the uh, if and again, what kind of fat? Like if you're doing Healthy an MCT fats. oil. Yeah which is gonna burn directly into the mitochondria and it's not gonna store, especially if you're in a hardcore glucose depleted state. Mm-hmm. There, there's it's no risk energy. of storing that. It's yeah. just gonna use it for fuel. I call MCT oil lightning fuel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's total freaking like, what is it, nitrous? It's like nitrous oxide, you yep. know, like in, in a dragster. Um, and even like, a, sometimes I'll do like a little bit of like macadamia nut oil, like over some vegetables or over my meat or whatever, a tablespoon. You know, it doesn't take much to get to that 50 grams and, you know, to, to look at 50 grams of fat total for the day sitting there in front of you, it's not, it's not much food. Mm-mm. So the, that's, and, and I think just for, for organ support, 
for you know hormonal health, I, I would never go below fifty or sixty grams. Yeah. Um, no. Now there's the, now with that said, competition it is what it is. You do yeah, what you got to do. It's a little do. different. If you feel like you got two weeks out and you don't feel like you're where you need to be. Well, something's got to go. And you <laughs> got to go John Meadows and it's egg whites and sugar-free ketchup for three days. <laughs> if that's what it takes, that's what you do. Yeah. And that's why we're constantly evaluating, mm-hmm. constantly evaluating. Constant but, science experiment. I mean, you, you tell them, I've told them every Friday, what do we do? We lift and then we, <laughs> we go look at ourselves in the mirror and freak yep. out. Posing practice. Yeah. We, we go look in the mirror and freak out because even if we look fucking amazing, when you're three weeks out, you look like shit. Yep. <laughs> you, you, everybody looks like shit three weeks out. I don't care who you are. Didn't we both think, okay, like, I'm not ready. Could, like <laughs> our, my buddy Melvin, who's been competing for 30 years and has even done some judging and stuff. He's, he's been around the block. He'll even come in and say, yeah, you guys are on point. You're looking good. And we're like, okay, go, thanks, thanks. Like, I really don't feel on point, <laughs> Right, coach, and then, I, then I'll put my shirt back on and go in my office and cry. <laughs> like, like a little girl. I'm like, I'm not there. I look like shit. You know, my wife's like, you look great. And my kids are like, you look great. And friends, you look great. And Melvin's like, you look great. And clients are like, you look great. And I'm like. Well, Rob, we're, we are our own worst critics. You get that. You know, it's like bigorexia at, mm-hmm. at the end where you, when you look in the mirror, no matter how big and jacked and peeled you are, you think you look like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> yeah. no, no matter what that just goes with the territory. Like yep. I, I've got clients that I work with who have lost a ton of weight. They're getting lean. They're getting like nice 3d physique forming, you know, musculature is popping. They're even getting vascular and all they do is message me and tell me how shitty they look. And I got to talk them off the damn ledge, yeah. but psychology is part of this too. So we're, we're both adult babysitters and therapists mm-hmm. yep, absolutely. just as much as we're trainers. <laughs> yep, so. Just as much. So I hope that answers the question. I, you know, okay. And maybe to take it a step further, um, on a cut, I usually go 0.5 grams of fat per pound of body weight is what I do when I start the cut. And then I evaluate every week yep. depending on how I'm losing and how I look. And so that number yeah, generally around, for me around week four because it it my physique is obviously a little bit different than yours. I weigh a little bit less than you do, so usually, um, probably for me, I'd say around week four, week three, that's when I really start to dial it back a little bit more. Yeah, below that, and uh, go a little bit higher protein. Well, see, like what I'm doing, you know, we're, we're you and I are both <clears throat> looking at doing a spring show. Yeah. And then we want to find one that's very close to nationals, which I would like to do a show to where we do that show. And then really for me, no more than two weeks later, I'm going to Pittsburgh to do nationals. See, that that would be awesome for me. Um, I had a sour taste in my mouth after my first competition because I didn't place, didn't feel like I, I don't know, just didn't place, didn't, didn't sit well with me. And then the second show did play second and fourth i'd really like to fucking win one yeah i'd really like to win one and and you you have all the tools to do it it was just you know and and the and i'm already getting ahead of myself but so much has to do with putting time in getting that muscle maturity Mm -hmm. i was listening to another podcast where it was this guy talking to i think he was talking to branch warren and he was saying what every older competitor knows you know, Branch Warren, when he turned pro at like 23 and thought, okay, I'll go, you know, I'll compete five or six years, hopefully win the Arnold Classic, hopefully win the Olympia, and then I'll retire. And then he learned what a lot of people do, what a lot of people learn. 
you reach your potential like in your mid thirties, mm-hmm. you know, like 35, 36, that's yep. when you really get that muscle maturity where the, the, the muscle becomes harder and denser and fuller and more striated. And, you know, I can't imagine what you're going to look like when you're, you know, 33. Yeah. See, I'm 29 and I was talking well to our friend Melvin, um, last week and I was like, Melvin, I really, really want to win one and capitalize on this before I turn 30, which will, will be a year. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah, definitely want to capitalize. Well, it then we will take year. it to another level and, and we're going to, we're going to kick that Kill off the- officially tomorrow yes. with Donut Friday. With Donut Friday. <laughs> um, we started this tradition in 2019 uh, when me and Ryan decided to embark on a contest prep. No, donuts are not ketogenic, guys. <laughs> yeah, in, ca- in case you weren't aware. That's not on the approved list. But because we know the suffering that we're about to embark on, that we kick it off, we'll do, we'll completely go into a diabetic coma eating donuts on Friday morning. And then lift. Then we go do chest and triceps. And yep. then that is like the christening of our contest prep. And now we know it's it's all in now. So it's yep. a ceremonial thing. That yep. It's a new tradition that yep, we have. Yeah, so. we've done it the past two years. So now, yeah, tomorrow we have, my wife will stop and get, you know, several insane <laughs> quantities of donuts. <laughs> and we will nearly go into, you know, a coma and then we'll lift and then we'll pass out. Don't um, worry, I'm going to fast the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I probably won't. <laughs> my protein will still be up, but. Uh, yeah, we'll keep the, keep the protein keep up. The protein's going to be good. up. But. Um, all right, another uh, question. What's your favorite lift? My favorite lift. Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I'm going to honestly say, you know me, um, whenever I first walked in here, you know I hated shoulders. But honestly, um, seated overhead press is pr- turning into one of my favorite lifts. Okay. Obviously, one another one of my favorite lifts. There's so many. Damn it. Um, lat pull down. I, I love lat yeah. pull down. Yeah. Back movement, shoulder movement. I'm, I'm going to give it a, a two-part answer, but I'm going to piss whoever asked this question off. I can't narrow it down to one. Yeah. that yeah, yeah But I can tell you back is my favorite body part to train. Yeah, mine too. And so anything back would be my favorite lift. So whatever I'm lifting for back is that's your favorite that's one. my favorite <laughs> one that day. And oddly, I love training triceps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I for me, being a fan of bodybuilding, like I'm a fan of bodybuilding, like people are fans of football or baseball or basketball. Yeah. When I l- evaluate, you know, top competitors' physiques, it, to me, when you've got those giant striated 3D triceps hanging off the back of your arm, it's definitely a separator. That's that man. That's a game changer. And mm-hmm. to me, it's far more compelling than even big biceps. Or you know, mm-hmm. if you've got yeah. those. That's a lot of, that's a, that's another thing. That's another good point. A lot of people say that, oh, I got to train biceps to look like you have big arms. No, no. Triceps are what makes you look like. I I have said this for 30 years. Triceps make the arm. Yep. You know, you can have small little baseball biceps, but if you got giant freaking meaty triceps, if you got all three heads of the tricep develop, it's a game changer. It's Mm -hmm. a total game changer. So not a specific, I can't answer that specifically, but, uh, anything back. And then number two would be anything. Tri- I love doing dips. Dips is a good one too. And I like doing anything triceps. That's oddly, that's painful. 
Like when we yeah. do those high rep <laughs> sets of press downs. Yep, get those to rest pause number sets. Number sixty-seven yeah. out of a hundred. Yeah, when it's like, okay, <laughs> this is way too heavy to be doing this many, and I need to take a break. And Ryan says, okay, your five seconds is right, up, you dickhead. 30, you got to go. Yep, you have thirty left. I'm sorry, man. You yeah, got to go. Quit screwing around, you freaking pansy piece of shit. <laughs> 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 You guys want to come work out? Also, tricep kickbacks. Like that one, too. You know what? Tricep, you know, <laughs> tricep kickbacks are not f- just for women. No, they're not. These things are brutal. If you do if them you right. Do them right. Most people don't. Yep. Most people don't keep the el- elbow elevated and static. They don't, don't get a good full extension. They don't get that squeeze. Um, That's also a good superset, guys, if you ever want to do tricep pushdowns and tricep yeah. kickback together. We need to do that tomorrow on Donut Friday. I think we will do okay, that. I think we're already building our workout for tomorrow. I think so. That's how it happens, guys. That's how it happens. <laughs> this, is how, this is how the magic happens here, people. Um, you know what we need to do? We need to figure out how to YouTube all of these podcasts. We should. I mean, do you I think mean, people would be bored to death just seeing a video of us sitting here talking? Or I'm would that ashamed. just add an extra element to it? I'm not ashamed to tell you that I have watched a... YouTube video of Joe Rogan's podcast. Like I've legit watched, you know, that's like, true. You I mean, know? they just I mean, sit there they and sit talk. there and talk. And I, I mean, I like to see fe- people's facial expressions okay. whenever they're talking. Well then I will figure out how to get my extremely high dollar camera rig sitting over there collecting dust to sync with the audio for the podcast. And we'll just turn that bitch on from now on and just, I'm, we'll have I'm both. We'll have YouTube the YouTube stream. and we'll have the, uh, and, Spotify. and we'll have the Spotify iTunes. So, okay. Favorite lift. Okay. Um, The next question I have to answer because it's from my daughter. Okay. My 13-year-old daughter, Dagan, uh, my little princess, love of my life, simply wants to know, what's your favorite food? Mine? Of any kind. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. I got to go. Here's here's the the best way to look at this. If God himself came down and said, you can eat only one food for the rest of your life and it won't make you fat. There's no consequences. The calories don't matter. But you, what is your all-time favorite? What it would be? I, would, I would have to go burger. Any type of burger. I'm a big burger guy, especially if like if I'm doing a refeed or something like that. It's been two weeks, and I just want a burger. I get a burger. That is good. I, that is good. That's a good one. What's your favorite burger? Do you have oh, Do you God. have like a place or a? Okay. All right. So here in Hickory, there is a place. It's called the Hickory Station. The station burger is fantastic. They, what they do is they put uh, a nice leaf of lettuce on a nice piece of meat with some pepper jack cheese. Phenomenal. Cool. Just phenomenal. Some type of bun. I don't know what it is. but <laughs> <laughs> And there's some bun. I don't some, know. Uh, you know, regular bun. All right. Oh, and they throw an egg on there. Oh, sweet. No, yeah, I, throw, I do that a lot. Yeah, I throw, I throw like a sunny side up that's, egg on top of my burger all the time. It's one of the only restaurants I know around here that'll throw an egg on it. Nice. Yeah, I, I love egg on my burger. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a comfort food, mm-hmm. like big plate of shit, kind of all mixed together. The, yeah. If I had to pick, I'll pick one that everybody will be able to relate to, but then I'll pick another one that I don't think hardly anybody will because I'm not sure if anybody is going to know what this is. But my wife makes this dish, and I don't know if she just pulled this name out of her ass, or <laughs> she calls it Chicken Diane. Chicken Diane. She no. takes chicken thighs, like the, the, you know, with the good fatty chicken thigh, and she puts them in um, a shitload of them, and she pulls them off the bone, basically, and she cooks these chicken thighs in this giant 
pot with herbs and some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of a broth that, that mm-hmm. the meat soaks up and all these different spices. And she'll cook that for like low and slow for a long time. And then she'll drain the stuff out and then she'll put it in this other big, huge thing. And she makes this ridiculous like cream sauce with like heavy cream and sour cream and vanilla yogurt and all these other different sh- and Worcestershire sauce and tons of spices and two or three things she won't admit to. And <laughs> it's it's and then she'll put that over this giant bed of like cauliflower rice or mm. if it's a refeed day, we'll use like white rice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this most just savory comfort food thick incredible just mm, you just yeah you just so what you roll need around do, in it what you need to do you need to call nancy after we get done with this podcast and you need to be like nancy so chicken diane <laughs> you know, and the thing is is she goes yeah but it's it's so heavy sometimes it upsets my stomach listen this is not about you nancy. <laughs> this has never been about her this is about me and this is my favorite and Damn she it. just she needs to make a giant pot of it for you and me I, 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 I will command it i will make it so all right i will wave my hand and i tell i will tell because she does whatever i tell her to do without question are you believing any of this no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm married now and I know it's not true. <laughs> yeah, she's already rolling her eyes saying, well, you can go yourself. You, can go. <laughs> <laughs> you can make your own damn chicken, Diane. <laughs> I want to have a glass of wine and <laughs> go talk to Juan, the delivery man. <laughs> um, and then, and, oh, so that's the one that most people might not know, but it's just like big savory, creamy chicken dish. Very comfort foodie. But the other one is, man, just a traditional like huge pancake egg and bacon breakfast oh god yeah that i would probably have to say i'm a big breakfast guy too i mean just like cracker barrel you know the, yeah. like, i get the big main blueberry pancakes with the hot maple syrup and then like I, I get like extra sunny side up eggs and extra sourdough toast like extra bacon you know just extra everything they bring it on like three damn plates mm-hmm. and i just engorge myself into a coma that's what i had right after every competition the next yep. morning yep the first day well the day after the first one we both went to cracker barrel and i yep. remember that was that was probably one of the most delicious meals God. i've ever had um, breakfast carbs i, I you know yep, and, and yeah. the, the salty bacon and i, I love yeah, runny I that, eggs and all that shit yeah i think that's what draws me to the burger but definitely like a yeah all right. Well, uh, we have too. we have one more question. One more question. And this is going to lead into, <clears throat> I think, a really good conversation that's going to kind of kind of <laughs> bring us back to the podcast. <laughs> um, and I got this question about two weeks ago. And being a bodybuilding fan, um, this was a great question for me. But it said, other than open bodybuilding, what is your favorite of the new divisions in bodybuilding? And, and for those out there that may not understand this, let me give you the backstory. When I was training back in the nineties, there was just bodybuilding. There was the guys bodybuilding it's called open bodybuilding mm-hmm. and there was women's bodybuilding and that was it. And it was the thing about bodybuilding was, is it, it you know, maybe not so much as, as much on the amateur level, the way I did it, but definitely in the professional ranks, if you weren't just weren't a genetic freak, mm-hmm. Uh, you really couldn't do it. You yeah. know, the, the average guy, the average girl found themselves displaced from that, which looking at it now is kind of a shame. And uh, then they added new divisions. Mm-hmm. At first, the old school purist in me didn't like it. Now I'm a huge fan. 
Um, so now like with women, instead of women's bodybuilding, which is swirling the drain, it's deader than dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nope. You've got basically three and that's well four, but you've got women's bikini, which mm-hmm. is the more feminine. So it's sort of a combination of like a beauty pageant and a physique competition. These women are incredible, but they, yep. they combine not only incredible physiques that are definitely more feminine, more beach body, if you will, for lack of a better term. And then they add in the, the pageant element. They have to move different. You know, there's an emphasis on how their hair and makeup looks, their, their, their bikini, you know, competition suit that they wear. They're in high heels, how they perform in those things. I have no idea. No idea. And uh, so there's that. And then there's like the next level up, which would be women's figure. So you're tacking on a little bit more emphasis on muscularity. You know, I, I think they're out of the heels when they get to physique or, <laughs> I so. or uh, figure, but I'm, I don't know that for sure. And so, and the, the posing's different. There's not as much emphasis on, you know, hair, makeup and jewelry and things like that. And then the next step up from that is women's physique. Now that's definitely the most muscular. Yeah. All the emphasis is on muscularity and conditioning at that point. Yeah. A little bit on, po- on posing. You, you, you get some more poses that are more similar to like this, the mandatory poses in bodybuilding. Yeah. Like there's an ab and thigh and, you know, there's front double bicep and there's some lat spread stuff. So it's a little bit more traditional like bodybuilding, but it's definitely the women that are the most muscular. Yeah. And then there's this thing called wellness. I have no idea what that is. I don't know what that is either. Didn't they, <laughs> they introduced that. They introduced that last year. Right? Last year, I think. And I still have no clue what that is, but what, what it tells me is probably in my, I would have to imagine it's probably just more like of a common people making a transformation, I would think. I want to say that I saw a flyer for it and the women had thicker thighs. Okay. So it's that's more one of the big that's bottom one of the heavy bigger, kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to say that the women had thicker thighs. Okay. Don't hold me to that, but I think that's what it is. Is there anything wrong with thick thighs though? Uh, not in my opinion, okay. but <laughs> <laughs> we pulled 100 men and 100 men said thick thighs are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think most men will be a fan of fake or yeah. Well, this might be my new favorite. Um, so, but seriously though, but so, and, and I'll get to my point. And then with men, instead of just open bodybuilding, you've got, men's physique, mm-hmm. which I, for lack of a better term, wouldn't you agree? It was like, what would be the quintessential beach body? Yep. The, the, the perfection beach body. That's what body. you want to look for. Shredded, look not too big, aesthetic, you know, uh, they wear board shorts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about that too, because <laughs> that's my only gripe. Uh, then the next level up from that, you would have classic physique, right? Classic physique's next. Yep, classic physique. You have classic physique. Now, for those of you out there who know a little bit about bodybuilding, if you think back to like the 70s and 80s. Think Frank Zane. Frank Zane is the perfect example. Yeah. Yeah, we would agree on that. Um, Everybody knows who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. That era, uh, Frank Zane is a former Mr. Olympia, not as famous as Arnold Schwarzenegger, but known for his... You know, he was a lighter weight guy. Yeah. You know, I think he competed like in the one seventies. Yeah, I want to say. I could be wrong his, about that. One of his last shows, I think he competed roughly around one eighty three, one eighty seven. Was that much? I, 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 I thought, say it, was I thought right it was even leaner there. than that. But, but, um, but yeah, but he his it, it was more about symmetry, mm-hmm. and, and back in those days, there was a big emphasis put on posing as being almost like art. 
yep. how you moved on stage and presented your physique was just as important as the physique itself. Yep. So a uh, classic physique is sort of going back to that era. Mm-hmm. And they wear the, they don't wear the super, super like tiny little string posing shorts, but it's a, and they've even know. made, they've <laughs> made them smaller than they were when they first came. First they were just like the, like the short it boxer was short shorts. Yeah. And now they've kind of made it to where it's, like like the posing shorts back back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Remember the ones that Arnold wore? Yep. They were like this thick. Yep. They essentially look like that. They look just like a that. Bit and but with a classic physique, you have to. There's a height and weight limit, mm-hmm. and which is kind of cool, which is fine. But um, and then the step up from that would be two twelve, and two twelve I like too because you know everybody knows Lee Priest. Back in the nineties, Lee Priest was pound for pound, one of the greatest bodybuilders in the nineties, but he was like five foot four mm-hmm. and in open bodybuilding, you gotta be big. Yep. You know, if, if you're Definitely. not five, eight or taller, you're probably never going to win the Olympia. Nope. That's just a fact. Yeah. How tall was Dorian Yates and Ronnie Coleman? Uh, Dorian Yates was, I think five, 10 or 11 and Ronnie Coleman was just a, just right, right around six foot. Right, right at it. Okay. Um, which not tall, but, but tall still. enough to hold that structure of muscle that those guys had where in the 212 you got shorter guys where the goal is to pack on as much insane muscularity and condition it as much as possible and stay at that 212 pound weight limit or below. Yeah, I think and some of those guys will look amazing. just as insane. One of my favorite bodybuilders since the 90s is Flex Lewis, who's a six-time 212 Olympia winner. The nobody brought better conditioning, but you know, he is, I think he's five, 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 six. Yep. And, yeah. you know, just many thought not quite big enough to win the Olympia. Well, he's competing this year in the open. And I think there, you know, there's a guy named Hottie Chopin that placed third in the Olympia last year. He's, he was only like 217 pounds, hmm. but he put so much muscle into that 217 and was so freaky conditioned. I think it's changing some of the judges' minds that I don't care if you're a little shorter. If you're bringing it, yeah. you know, we'll give you, you consideration too. And now Flex Lewis is competing in the Open this year, which I can't wait to see that. That's going to be interesting. But 212 is really cool because it gives those shorter guys an opportunity to really showcase their talent. Now, what is my favorite of the new divisions? I love Classic Physique right now. I would have to say that's my favorite. Love too. Classic Physique. Those guys always come in crazy conditioned. They still have to show those legs. Mm-hmm. Chris Bumstead is completely different than Breon. Breon is completely different than Chris Bumstead. If you don't know, Chris Bumstead won the Classic Physical Olympia last year. Breon won like the two years before that. They're like insane. They're insane. They're completely different. But it really is just what the judges are looking for that day. Mm -hmm. But they their level of conditioning is always on point. The way they pose is on point. They they just bring this for lack, not to sound silly, but they almost kind of bring this elegance and yeah, artistry. They, they literally look like a trophy. Yeah, that's what they, they look that's like what the trophy like. that you win. Yeah, that, you know? that's what they look like. And, you know, where open bodybuilding is just, it's just about being fucking monsters. Mm-hmm. And we love that too. Yeah. But, you know, Chris Bumstead is not a monster. You know, Breon is not a monster. But there's just something that's just so compelling about their physique. So of the new divisions in men, it would have to be for me, classic. I would have to say classic too. And I got to tell you, and I never thought I'd admit this for me and women, it's bikini. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It just, why? Two reasons. A, I'm a man. 
yeah. and they're still attractive. They're still very feminine. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm I'm being totally serious. I'm not saying that in a weird, you know, perverted way. They're just they're they're beautiful women who yep. are continuing to show a very attractive feminine physique, but those physiques are dialed in. That those women are. work too. Yeah, they're they put just as much conditioning in. Damn right they do. And th- they really those do. women really, really work hard. <clears throat> they sacrifice, they diet hard as hell. They gotta be little little shredded, petite, little freaking, you know, tiny yeah. little thing. I remember I took my daughter, who actually I coached to a first place win in women's bikini in 2019. I remember taking her to a show the year prior, just so she could experience one and understand, you know, we've talked about this before your first show. When you're under those lights, and you got the tan on and you're oiled up, you, it's all smoke and mirrors. You look so much different than how mm-hmm. you look standing in the gym. Yep. You know, a lot and my daughter was like, I don't think I could be one of these people. I'm like, what you don't understand is, is they are very similar to you. But when they're standing on that stage, they look like super people. Mm-hmm. And when I took her to the show, the girl that won the overall in the bikini that year, when you're watching her on stage under those theater lights, this girl looked six feet tall, like some statuesque freaking goddess. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was like, and my daughter, who's what? All of five, one, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, there's no way short. And, and I'm like, I'm going to prove this to you. So after the show, <clears throat> the girl that won the overall was downstairs at a booth sort of promoting a supplement line. She was endorsed by a supplement company, I think. And I took her up to meet the winner of the overall show. They were the same height. And I asked her, I said, how much do you weigh? She said, I weighed in at 101. She was this tiny little person. Like wow. I could have picked her up with one hand and like threw her around the damn auditorium. Yeah. But when she's in those freaking five inch heels and she's oiled up and, and carved up and shredded and tanned under those lights, they look like these amazing beings, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's when my daughter understood, wow, you know, it's you know, how you look when you're presenting it, as long as you got everything dialed in right, is completely different than how you look just, just walking around the gym. Yep. You know, I, I, I'm, when people see the pictures of me, like from 2019 that don't know me, and then they walk in the gym to meet me, you know, this is hilarious, (laughs) but they're like, I thought you'd be bigger. You know, (laughs) they're like, you look so big in those pictures. I'm like, it's because it's freaking smoke and mirrors, man. I mean, it's it's yeah. how you present it on it's stage. The lighting, it's everything. You can look so much bigger up there than what you actually are. And those pictures, like your pictures, all of your pictures look amazing. But you know, your pictures from nineteen. I mean, my God, you looked fantastic. Well, thank you. And when normal people come into the gym and like they look at that picture of you that's in the gym, they're like, is that him? They, they don't. They're like, yeah, that's him. That's that, not him. That's not him. That's not that guy. You know, to the normal person, to the normal person, you are Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. you look, that's what not, that's not what normal people look like. So how you present it, you, you, when you, and I've said this a thousand times to the, to the, 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 uh, the guys that do the dirty bulks Mm -hmm. and put on all this body fat to fill out a t-shirt. You know, but then when they peel the t-shirt off, you're like, dude, put Ooh, it back on. Put it back oh, on. <laughs> dude, has not a good look on anybody. That's yeah, not back, a good look. <laughs> that's not a good look. Shredded is always better than anything else. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to put on as much muscle as possible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was leaner in 2019 
than I was, and I was fuller and harder in 2019 than I was in 2018. And that's why I was first in 19 instead of third in 2018. And because I got a start, you know, this stark awakening, you know, I'd, I'd got a couple second places and then I thought, okay, I got second, I'll fix a few things and the natural progression is then I'll get first. And then, and then I, to be honest with you in 2018, there was those moments where I got a little cocky and I'll never forget this, this joke, never, this joke goes on to this day because that show was, it was in November. Yes. So we had to live through Halloween, which is surrounded by candy. (laughs) And I was coming in really tight Mm -hmm. and I would have two or three candy corns or to have one of these little tiny little Snickers or I'd have a, you know, I'm thinking, oh, big deal. You know, my mm-hmm. body will soak up those carbs, da, 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 you know, whatever. And then I looked better two weeks out than I did the day of the show. Mm-hmm. And you remember this. How stressful was that damn show? That was stressful. It was sucked. I mean, the what would do the athletes meeting was supposed well, to be at nine and it wasn't until like nine forty. Yeah, it started at like ten and then there we got back there. You had like, well, so there's a specific order in which a bodybuilding show is run. And you don't really know it, I don't think. Well, no, it's on the flyer. I it's think on they, the flyer. they usually yeah. go there, by the flyer. There's an itinerary, but yeah. But the so the meeting started late, and Rob literally had 20 minutes. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. I remember looking at the clock. I was like, "You got 20 minutes to get on stage," and and it was zero freezing backstage. Freezing backstage, and typically they have some type of warm-up equipment zero warm-up equipment um luckily we found some bands thank god luckily we found some we, bands we found <laughs> slash stole some bands <laughs> <laughs> sorry if that was your band but <laughs> hey man you gotta do what you gotta, <laughs> you gotta do, do what you gotta do man you gotta do what you gotta do to want to i want to win damn it um so luckily we found some bands but i mean that was a stressful situation uh, and i'm not making excuses but i've talked about this in other podcasts and i talk to this to my clients every single day about stress and cortisol, yes. I was so freaked out and stressed out because it was freezing cold. And you know, backstage is supposed to be warm. You want to keep your muscles warm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not just one thing that shrinks in the cold. Yeah, <laughs> All the I'm muscles <laughs> shrink in the cold and you're stressed out as hell. That's going to pull water to the surface of your skin as a defense mechanism. Cortisol gets released. You flatten out. It's harder to get a pump. It's definitely hard to get a pump when it's 50 fucking degrees backstage. And you would think the promoter who is a former, you know, pro Mr. North Carolina would know that would know Jesus Christ It's too cold back here. Shut those garage doors. It's November in North Carolina. <laughs> My competitors are going to be freezing to death and to lackadaisically at least throw a heater back there, <laughs> throw something back there and to be lackadaisically saying, okay, sorry, the meeting went long. You're on the you know, bodybuilders. You're on stage in 20 minutes. What? He was in control to say, I'm sorry, folks. We're going to start a little bit late. Our competitors didn't not get ample time to, come backstage, warm up, prepare, get their tans touched up or whatever. Even if he would have, you know, said, we're going to give you guys 20 more minutes. I don't think any fan would have been pissed. I don't think so. It would have made us all more relaxed. Mm -hmm. But then I'm not making excuses by any stretch. I could have worked harder that year with my diet. We trained hard. Yeah, for sure. But I I, I could have dieted a little harder and I learned my lesson. But um, I definitely learned my lesson, too. And I learned my lesson that every from 12 weeks out, every bite matters. 
That it does. And there's going to be somebody sitting out there who's going to say, that's not scientific. If you Well, to that, pers- to that person, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I mean, every person's body's a little bit different and they can, I mean, when you start your cut, when you, et cetera, I mean, it's different for every single person. Every, everything's different. And, and, and every bite does matter. I've really got a does. guy who's literally going on stage this Saturday for his first physique competition. He looks amazing. Really? Who? He looks amazing. His name's Bobby. He's he's in the group. Have you seen him? Oh, cool. Him? Um, um, I think, okay, yeah, I remember seeing Bobby. I think I commented on one Yeah, of he pictures. looks fantastic. Yesterday, I looked at his pictures, and he's, he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. But I wanted I wanted to pull just that little extra out, and I said, tomorrow, Bobby, tomorrow only, you're doing nothing but whitefish, egg whites, and asparagus. That's it. He's like, what about spinach? I said, no. Nope, that's it. That's it. Trust me on this. That little tweak is going to pull a little more water. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to bring a little bit out. It's going to change your physique a little bit. And it's going to prepare you to soak up them carbohydrates when we blow you up on Friday. Yeah. So you know what? You know what? That I've never worked with Bobby. It's our first prep. It is a calculated risk I was willing to take. That's where I mean, my gut told me to go on that. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's a very good calculation in my opinion. I mean... It, you can't really, you don't really know what somebody's body's going to do until you work with them for X amount of time, right. you know? So, I mean, this has worked in the past. It's worked for plenty of other people that's backed by science. And, I mean, it's a good recommendation. And you know what? And some of it isn't backed by science because you can't, there have been so many studies not done on hardcore competitive physique competitors. Mm hmm. I mean, how many, come on, let's be honest, how many multi-million dollar random controlled scientific studies have been done on guys who want to be three, 4% body fat at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning to stand on stage in what is arguably an extremely unhealthy, depleted (laughs) state that nobody in their right mind would ever recommend anybody be like exerting themselves in that condition (laughs) under 100 degree theater lights with hardly any water in their body. I mean, any physician would say, are you out of your mind? But this is physique competition. For that short window of time, nobody ever said it was healthy. Yeah, and it was Mike did. Menser that said, I'm not a health nut, I'm a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. You know, as he's eating like, a damn I know Snickers works. I know bar. I know it works. And the guy the was the off. only bodybuilder to ever get a perfect score on the judge's scorecard. He knew what he knew what was up. Mm-hmm. It was Mike Menser that made, you know, s- s- laying out, he would lay out on the roof of his house in the Southern California sun and drink brandy <laughs> <laughs> two days before the show. Can you see any physician condoning that activity? No. No, hey, can't. you're already dehydrated. So let's lay let's on the lay roof on in Southern alcohol. California on black freaking, you know, shingles and drink brandy and drink alcohol. So, and you know what? Remember when I said we're going to go off the rails? We yeah. already went off the rails. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Back to my favorite, you know, we're talking about our favorite new divisions. I, you know, we love women's bikini. Women's bikini and classic physique. And classic physique. Now, here's my thing. I was going to use that as a segue to get into Ryan competing because Ryan has competed so far twice in men's physique, which is what we discussed earlier, that that the epitome of the perfect beach body. Mm-hmm. And that's even gotten taken to another level. It really has. It's different than it was the first year. Remember the first year? Yeah. It was like Brad Pitt and Fight Club, and now it's become <laughs> holy shit times All 30. Right. So, yeah, the last one I think I competed against a guy that was, he was, he had to be. 
190 pounds oh, yeah. in, in his swimsuit. Yeah. And I was standing right beside him at 165 pounds. I was like, there needs to be weight class. Like, dang. Like, yeah, that's the one thing that uh, the one drawback about men's physique is it's just measured by height. Okay, right. So that takes me back to qualifying why these are my favorite. And I'm going to show you and I'm going to explain my major critique of men's physique. I love women's bikini and I love men's physique now. I didn't at first because what does it do? It gives most people the opportunity to experience it. to compete on stage. Mm hmm. And it never, I, I, I never really registered to me until A, I helped somebody through a prep and trained with somebody, you know, yourself and a couple other guys online. And it, and the unbelievable joy that I had seeing those physiques realized, seeing their potential come out, seeing these transformations, seeing them have the ability to do something that I love to do, that we love to do, to stand on stage and be part of that incredible, exciting atmosphere, just, mm -hmm. just to take part in that. I love the fact that now literally nearly everyone truly can, if they're willing to kill themselves and put, can do put it. in the work, mm -hmm. they can do it because not everybody has those genetics to be able to do open bodybuilding. They just don't. They just don't. Yeah. You know, you got to have the genetics to, to put that much muscle on your frame to be able to stand up there and compete with those guys. And let's be honest, at the highest levels of open bodybuilding, there is no way you can be drug free. No, absolutely There's not. There's no way. Whereas in men's physique, you, you can. definitely can. Yep. Now, in the amateur levels of bodybuilding, you can be drug-free, um, you know, because... Yep, you're probably right there at your genetic cusp, yes. I would say. It's, it's, and I've said this a hundred times on the podcast, it's about reaching your genetic potential. Yeah. So, but the thing about, you know, uh, men's physique is it does give the opportunity to compete. And, and I've, I've, you know, thrown this out there. If you're listening to this... And you're in, you know, if if you're in decent shape. Throw a swimsuit on. You can get out there. Give us a year. Yep. Give me a year. Give us a year. We'll put you on stage. If you do exactly what we tell you to. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Correct. And the reason I'm saying we is Ryan's a coach too. Yes, I am. If you go to Original Workout Online, which that's how you sign up to work with me as your coach, Ryan is one of the options. So if you want to do the men's physique division, Ryan has been there, done that, gotten two t-shirts, two t-shirts <laughs> and, and, and some hardware and some hardware and has lived it. And, and so he is a phenomenal option as a coach with that. If you're looking for a coach, but the cool thing about men's physique and women's bikini, now, you know, if, if I think I've coached half a dozen women in the last two years through a competition in the women's mm -hmm. bikini division, they've all done, fantastic. they've all done, they've all been third or better. Yep. And three of those women were over 50 in their very first competition. Mm -hmm. And who would have thought, you know, back in the nineties, you couldn't have done that. Nope. But now you can. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you want to take your physique, if you want the ultimate bucket list, if you, you want to have that moment 20, 30, 40 years from now and show your grandkid, look at what Papa did or look at what mm -hmm. Meemaw did. Yeah. It's a really, really cool thing to have under your very, belt. Very, very cool experience. I was very nervous. My who the hell show. is it? <laughs> I was so nervous. I want to shit myself every <laughs> damn show. You know, I mean, who doesn't? We're all terrified. That's yep. that's part of competition. Yep. Anything you do that's competitive. It have, felt it, so good, though. It oh, of course so it is. Good. I mean, you played collegiate baseball. Were you ever nervous right before a game? Yes, every game? I, I got to tell you, though, I wasn't as nervous 
ever in a baseball game as I was getting ready to walk out on stage with half my well, clothes on. Well, when you're ready to walk out on a stage in front of 1,500 people on a theater <laughs> stage in your underwear <laughs> and be judged for it, <laughs> I mean, that's a little tough. It's a little tough, but <laughs> anybody can do it. Okay, now my one critique of men's physique, and I think you know what's coming. Yes. Take off the board shorts. <laughs> You can build legs calves, too. Man. You can build legs too. I know. Okay. And it, all they would have to do with men's physique, all the same criteria, bring it down to the men's, the, the, the classic, what the classic guys used to wear two years ago. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking. Or your typical little fruit of the loom, freaking boxer brief length. Yep. So you can, you can at least see the leg development right there, here there on is, the top. I mean, some of those guys in, in men's physique have amazing legs they really that do. are covered up Especially with these damn the shirts of guys, shame. The new guys coming out these today? Holy crap. I mean, you watch videos of, of Breon and, and Bumstead and all these other you know top pros training their legs, and it's a damn shame you never can see them. Yeah. Why, why hide the legs? That's never made any sense to me. I don't care if you're 165 pounds. You can still have separated quads and striated hamstrings and separation. Don't mm-hmm. judge it on the on the girth of the leg. Judge it on the conditioning and the development relative to the so, upper body, yeah. the, the symmetrical aspect of it. They don't have mm-hmm. to be huge. Nope. But but why nope. not just judge? I mean, give I would love to give you an opportunity to show off what we go through on a Wednesday leg day. Well, if we ever want to take a video, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> or maybe you just need to do classic. But yeah, that'll that'll be a year. Like yeah, I said, I, I mean, like it's, I said, it's, I a, it's place, a transition. It's I a didn't transition. Place on my first show, place second and fourth on my second. I really want to fucking win one, and then. Well, you have year. unfinished business. Yeah, that's, I, that's I the way I look that. at yeah. it. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. I like to win things. I, I'm old and collecting cobwebs, so <laughs> it, it, for me to be able to compete in nationals. That's about as far as I'll ever be able to go at my age. So I just want the experience of being able to say to my grandson, you know, look what Papa did mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day when you were still two. He stood on stage way up in this little town far from us and stood with these guys who went on to get their pro card and become IFBB pros. I stood on stage with those guys one time and I did my best. Mm-hmm. And then I'm happy with that. Yep, that's because perfect. I just want it, because with me, everything that I do is to be a better coach because mm-hmm. that's what I do for a living. Yep. So if I can take it to another level where I have to suffer even more and work even harder and even learn more about myself and how the body works to compete at an even greater level, all that's going to do is translate to being able to help my clients become better at whatever level that yeah. they want to take their bodies to. Yeah. So you've been there, done that, know what it takes. And that's why, you know, I'm going to say it again. You know, Ryan is a phenomenal coach who knows what the hell he's doing. He's got great instinct instincts at his age. And that's why he's here. And if, Hey, if you're a guy out there and you're thinking, damn, I want to have that experience. Hire Ryan. He's an amazing, he's an amazing coach and an amazing trainer and you, well, you will not that. regret it. You will not regret it. So, all right. So, so now that I've sort of brought it back on the rails, we're back on, we're, we're, we're where back did, on track. Where did we leave <laughs> off in the cold backstage? Oh, we were talking about like cortisol and stress and yes. I wasn't making any excuses, but, uh, cause I, I could have dieted harder and I, and I realized that and that's why we worked so hard in mm-hmm. 2019 
and it paid off. It really did. It paid off. Yeah, the thing did. about Men's Physique too, where here's where you don't get enough credit. I'm standing on stage with eight or nine guys. You're on stage with like 437. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> There's so many. They don't stop filing out because, you know, more people have access to doing men's physique. It's it's a little bit more attainable. Yeah, you really if you're going to if you're thinking if you're out there and you're thinking about doing men's physique, you really have to find I would say an attribute on your body and capitalize on it like yeah. something that you know yourself that is going to separate you from the other people. That's a good point. That's a good point. This is a teachable moment. Something I've, I wanted to bring up for a long time that I, I bring it up a lot when I get reminded of it. I've heard people my entire career say, work your weakest body part. My philosophy has always been, no, work both. Yes. Whatever your weakest body part is, work the shit out of it. Whatever your strongest body part is, work, work the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. Here's a good example. Genetics for me, nobody would dispute this. Thank my big German mother. <laughs> I I came out of the womb with freaking four foot shoulder width, you know, and I came out of the womb with huge freaking calves. So when I first started training way back in the day, I I had the appearance or more of an illusion of size because of a couple genetic factors. I have got really wide shoulder structure. Mm -hmm. So when I just put on a little bit of size on my shoulders, I look this wide yep. and I've got long attachments on my muscle bellies. Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about this all the time. My biceps connect way up on my shoulder and connect way down here deep into the elbow. So it gives the illusion of a bigger muscle yep. where a lot of guys have very short little muscle connections and their muscles look smaller and taller. If that makes sense. Yep. And for me, I would say one of my strong points is definitely either, well, my shoulders, believe it or not, um, and the long muscle. Um, yeah, you've got body, long attachments too. Long, yeah, long attachments on my arms. So, that's so a, I really capitalize yeah. on my arms and my shoulders and really dial it in up here on my back. Wanted to bring my back out a little bit right. more, so I've been really killing my back. Um, but just yeah, the joke for, is, is we work back every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just genetically for me, I've just been a very aesthetic person my entire yeah, life so, so I, I've had a very slim waist and very athletic legs but it kind of dwindles down at the farther which south is you back go. to my point <laughs> the back to my point work your strengths too because if I'm standing on stage and I am and the judges think I am equal to the guy next to me and it's down to two mm -hmm. that judge might say well I think they're equal but since that guy's got those big, broad shoulders, which gives him more of a V taper illusion mm -hmm. and holy shit, look at those calves. They'll give me the nod. Yep. That's it. So, you know, as we get deeper into the prep, you're going to see more calf raises, more calf work, more calf raises going yay. a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah. Yay, 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 Ryan, <laughs> a little bit more work on that shoulder day. There's a reason why we do shoulders by themselves, mm -hmm. because I know for me and for you, it could be a game changer if if we're down to the judges have you a point different from the other guy and you're just a little bit wider which gives you that appearance of that v taper which makes your waist look more tight mm -hmm. they're going to get the knot that's it and then we got to go back to when we get melvin on here back to our 200 calf raises before every workout yeah i'm going to take his advice and cut some <laughs> jorts and <laughs> show my calves off every single I, day i don't know if i told that story in episode one, when I talked about my history with Melvin, but my, my buddy Melvin 
uh, who was a competitive bodybuilder when I met him, when I didn't know shit, he was genetically blessed everywhere but below the knee. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Dude had big legs, could squat 500 pounds, and he was a freaking bantamweight. You know, strong as hell, big upper body. The guy could eat cheeseburgers and be 9% body fat. Hate that guy. Yeah, not fair. But had no calves. And it pissed him off. So he meets me, and we start training. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, but I, I'm doing 200 calf raises before I've, i got to bring my calves up. They just won't grow. And me with my mother's German calf genetics, I start doing the same thing. All right. <laughs> and it didn't take long before my calves are bigger than my thighs. And it just pissed him off. But, so you know, moral more. of the story is a lot of with calves is genetic. Yeah. Now, I did make them bigger for sure. Mm. But they were already pretty big to begin with. But, you know, don't just work your weaknesses. In fact, work the shit out of your weaknesses. And still hey, work very hard on your strong work points. Work the too. shit out of your strong points, too. Yeah. Because that could be the deciding factor in a tight race on stage. Mm -hmm. And it, with all things, conditioning is everything. Yes. Conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. Yeah, got to keep up with your cardio. And we've been through a very hard prep in 19. And I think with every prep you go through, it builds that mental toughness. It builds like a mental callus on your brain. And I don't know if, if I don't know if you do this, but knowing what we've got to go through in the coming months, I know now that I'm mentally preparing for that last 12 to 14 weeks. Yeah, honestly, the second time, the second go around in 2019, I didn't think anything of it. I just kind of just went right into it and just even though it may be more sacrificial and harder you're more mentally prepared because you've yep. been through it once and you know that if I can just take this amount of God awful suffering, if I can take that 10% deeper into the suffering, it could be the difference between hardware and no hardware. And you prove that yep. because you walked away with hardware and you did phenomenal. And now, but us now being our own worst critics, a little harder. you're ready mm -hmm. to take it to another level. And, and, for because nobody can listen to this and if they haven't seen you like on the website or in the facebook group you know how much do you weigh right now 187 and how much did you weigh on stage in 19 in 19 i'd say 163 164. okay so you know ryan's this lean athletic guy but he's got great symmetry and uh so i yeah, mean really trying to bump that up trying to get close to about 205 210 this and then if we could whittle that down to it down to 173 175 ish range with even better conditioning with even better conditioning yeah. that'd be fucking great there we are that's so where i want to be that, that's the game plan and then the next year be about a nice 180 and go into classic that would be awesome then there's the premium on posing yes which we could all benefit from more of that anyway yeah that we could it's still to this day that's my my biggest weakness because you know it, it sucks it really does it's hard it, and I'm yes. not trying to be a pansy here, but when you're dieting hard and you're training hard and it, it's Friday and we've had a hard training week, you know, we're living off freaking fish and egg whites. <laughs> and then you're supposed to stand there and squeeze every muscle in your body for, for 20 minutes, for 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> it does, for you, you've never been through it. That's like big fucking deal. You know, you try it. Yeah. It's, if you don't break a sweat, well, it's excruciating. It it, yeah. It's so hard. And, you know, the first, you know, back in 2015, when I did that show, you're going to realize really quickly that when all of a sudden you've got to stand on stage and you're under that bright white light, you can't see anything because you're blinded. 
you can't even hardly see the judges. No mirrors. And it's 137 freaking degrees. And all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, there's no mirrors. I can't see myself. I hope I can nail these poses. <laughs> is my chest out enough? Have I lifted my arms enough? Am I, am I flaring my lats? Is everything tight? Like, and then oh. the, the only thing I thought of, like especially in 19, when Melvin reiterated it to me, he's like, you tense everything up. You throw that calf up there because everybody's, that's going to be your holy shit moment if it's close. And he said, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to cramp up, fall over and be disqualified, or you're going to get through that pose and you're going to win the round. You're going to win the pose. You either win the fucking pose or you cramp up and fall down. There's that's no it. in between. You can't. So it's a calculated risk up on stage with everything you do. And you better get that shit right. So if you're listening to this and you want to compete or if you're currently in a prep, place more importance on posing than you ever thought you were going to. Whatever, whatever importance you thought you were going to place on posing, double it. Yep. The guys that pose win. That can pose win. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse than posing when you're fat. (laughs) (laughs) We we don't have to pose yet, do we? (laughs) Well, that's that's kind of getting to that point. We got to get to that point where, you know, maybe starting in January, even though we're still fat, (laughs) we're going to have to still get in front of the mirror with our big, fat, hairy bodies (laughs) and start working on posing as foul and disgusting as as that's going to be. Oh, I feel uncomfortable now. (laughs) I'm starting to work up a sweat. I need another drink now. (laughs) There's a visual that nobody's going to be able to get out of their heads today. But uh, (laughs) so, yeah, so, uh, so, well, I mean, what else? What? we've talked about the suffering of prep we've talked about what about training itself i mean training itself how about um let's go uh, since we're on a ketogenic bodybuilding um yeah let's let's talk about that let's talk a little bit about um like how like what we eat to say gain weight what we right take out of our diets to go that's a good point all right. And that sort of thing. So we can really dial it in for some of these folks. Okay. It is j- just to, everything's about timelines, um, with prepping to, to, and, and I talked about this in, in, I don't forget which episode it was, where it was called what it takes and what it takes to achieve your genetic potential to either compete on stage or for a photo shoot or whatever the goal is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all about calendar timelines. So, and I think, if I'm wrong, somebody will tell me, but I think I said minimum eight months for most people. Minimum. If you can take it to a year, even better. Yeah. I feel, I feel comfortable. We're depending on when they re, we don't know where the shows are going to land again because of COVID, because of the election flu. So, um, if they all go back to where they normally are, then we're probably looking at what, like eight or 10 months or something like that. Something like that. There, I know there, we're we're not going to go to this one, but there's one in Virginia. Um, northern virginia at that um in april but not gonna go to that one i don't i don't think i'm gonna do that well i'm gonna try whatever the date of nationals is if it's back to its normal time which is i think is like the end of may or somewhere around there if it's back to its normal time then i'd like to find something about two weeks prior yeah and here's the thing that that i learned (laughs) i learned from ronnie coleman (laughs) which who in their right mind can compare themselves to Ronnie Coleman without getting laughed at. (laughs) (laughs) This is advice only. There's nothing to do with me being in the same universe with the goat. But, uh, you know, Ronnie Coleman, the year that he did the Arnold Classic and won, to my knowledge, he's the, the last modern era bodybuilder 
after already winning the Olympia to do the Arnold Classic, which was kind of unheard of. And like, once you win the Olympia, that's all you do. Yeah, I did not know that. Ronnie Coleman did the Arnold, already the reigning Mr. Olympia. And some would, he just wanted, oh, you know why he did it? Uh, because they were given a Hummer away that year. He wanted a new car. He That's wanted he the wanted. H1. That's a true story. He, That's he, awesome. Yeah. Ronnie's like, and because you know, you've listened to Ronnie. He's like the most down to earth guy ever. Yeah. He's, he's like, probably coming. Well, probably... I heard that giving away that H1 <laughs> and I, I really like that car and I, I want to get that. So yeah, I, probably, I did it. You know? how, how many Olympias had he won? Eight. Oh, oh, at, that, at that point, at I think that it was point. like two or three in. Okay. So he's like two or three in. He's like, all right, I'm going to go win me a car now. Well, I need an H1. Like, screw you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he was arguably in his best shape ever, some would say at the Arnold Classic when he won that. And then some would say, you know, when he went into the Olympia that year, even though he won, some would say he was a little off that year. And Ronnie Coleman famously said, that's when I learned you can't peak twice in one year. Meaning there's no look great here and look great here. It's you're, you got to pick the day you want to be your absolute best. And then like, if you're doing like for me, if I'm doing these two shows, I'm going to go into the, the, the show that we do together, the qualifier show. Yep. You're going to be, peeled. I'm not going to be peaked. I'm going to be close, yep, you're but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be concerned but... about winning my class. I just need to walk in, do the show, requalify and walk. And I'm, that's not to say now, you know, as well as I do, when we were two weeks out last year mm-hmm. or in 19, we look great. Yeah, we did. You know, you know. See that that's the whole science project is I'm still trying to figure out exactly how many weeks it really takes me to get to the point where I need to be because for me honestly I felt flat both shows. We both need to carb up more. I know. I know. I, and I in the I, with carbing up I've learned this every single year and I've still um in night in 18 It's so scary. It's scary. <laughs> it's so but, scary. But in 18 um, I did that horrific prejudging we were talking about mm-hmm. at the cold backstage with no time to prepare and all the cortisol and everybody's stressed out, pissed off. I go up there for the prejudging. It was a damn disaster. And I got so fucking mad. And we went back to the house. Remember, we were at, at the house yep. in, in Greensboro. And we went back there. And my wife, because she's the greatest prep wife of all time and the greatest host of all time, her and my daughter bought more shit food than you can possibly imagine. There was fucking cakes and... I'm very glad she did that because oh. I capitalized on that. <laughs> but it was all sitting there. And, you know, you can have a little bit of a cheat after prejudging because it's not going to spill over before the evening show. But at that point, I didn't give a shit. So I went back to the house and I ate everything that wasn't nailed down. And <laughs> I actually looked a little better in the night show. And then the next day, of course, I looked like I was carved out of granite. I'm telling you, I'm not lying when I tell you this. The next show, I am eating two sausage, egg, and cheese biscuits right before I walk on stage from okay. McDonald's because I don't know what it is and a Coke for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's just that, and it fills me. It, I'm not lying like to you when I tell you I'm going to start eating everything but the kitchen sink Friday morning starting at wake up, whether it's donuts, pizza, burgers, fries, whatever, everything. because in 2019, even though I won I started eating everything that wasn't nailed down, you know, starting the next day, like we always do. And I didn't stop because it was sort of a cross between celebration and relief of being over and let's splurge for a little bit before we dial it back in again. And I'm telling you right now, I did not begin to spill over at all until the following Thursday. Yeah. It, it, 
Yeah, uh, it took, even it that took a Wednesday, week. I was like, "Wow, I still look hard and peeled." And then I remember waking up Thursday morning saying, "Oh, there it is." Yep, there it That's is. That's when it finally spilled over, and my body couldn't take any more. It couldn't absorb any more, you know, glucose. So how many? So how many days was that? So, day the show was on what Saturday? Saturday. So, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tuesday, I still look Wednesday. dry and peeled on Wednesday. Five days. Five so, days. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously we just need to carve up. A yeah, little and on, so on peak week. Uh, uh, you know, and, and Melvin agrees. He's like, dude, you know, you're gonna wake up Friday morning. You're gonna have whatever you want for breakfast: stack of freaking pancakes, maple syrup, butter. He, I don't care if you have freaking donuts. And <laughs> then for lunch, burger and fries. And then eat more, and then eat more before you go to bed. You know, another burger and fries. Um, the bodybuilder uh, Antoine Valier or whatever, uh, just who won the California Pro just a couple, like a month ago. Um, he did another pro show, I think it was about a month prior and got seventh. And um, then his coach made some adjustments with his diet. And then I believe it was a month later, did the California pro and he won. He freaking crushed it. And there was an interview with him and his coach and they're like, how can you go from seventh to first in a pro show only a month apart. And he's like, we were too flat the time before. So we just threw caution to the wind. And he had um, Antoine Valier uh, take in, I think it was 700 grams of carbs Jeez. every day for a week prior to the show. Wow. Every day for a week. And there's even a YouTube video of him going to five guys and having two doubles and, you know, the big giant freaking paper bag full of french fries yep ate the entire damn thing <laughs> but he me. was so depleted and it, you know he's you know he's a pro there's a lot of muscle on that frame mm -hmm. so he kept soaking it up soaking it up and the cool thing the coach said and, and i believe this too and it's something i'm looking at he's like so what we did is we did that 700 grams and then i was prepared that if it started to spill over like on thursday then all you got to do for somebody like him, who's that dialed in, then you just dial it back that Friday and then mm. you come in peeled. Or See, if it's just worry. working, you just keep going. You yeah, that, wake up Saturday morning and that, go rock it. And that's that what he did. A, that was always my worry during peak week. Like I didn't want to spill over and then have to do um, maintenance work. Yeah. So to speak, because, well, a, I've never had to do that and it would just be a road that I would just have to go down. But I don't know. It freaked me out. Well, and the thing is, it's that I think this is sort of a logical thing. We stay so carb depleted for the most part year round mm -hmm. anyway, that, you know, when we do, when we're training as hard as we are, and then we even take it to another level of depletion, you know, and we're putting on, you know, a decent, um, we have a decent amount of musculature compared to the average person, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, for us to soak that up. And then the energy that's required and the, the way our metabolisms are cranked up. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to spill over mm -hmm. at that level. And the thing is, is I learned this in 2015. I learned it in 2017. I learned it in 2018, still didn't do it in 2019. <laughs> Maybe 2020, we'll get it right. <laughs> and, and, and even in, in 2019, Melvin's like, okay, before you go to bed on Friday night, burger and fries, a couple mini bottles of vodka to pull out some water. And I, and I still didn't do it. I had a steak and a sweet potato trying to take the safe route. I'm not going to lie to you. I cheated my ass off the night before. <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went to some diner in downtown Charlotte. 
I had two burgers and I had a whole. Well, that's order, what I'm but, doing uh, next time. And but still, that's what I'm saying though. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It, it wasn't enough for no. me. Because what a lot there are two words that are commonly thrown around in bodybuilding that people still don't seem to understand, and that's flat and full. No. You know, you you can be peeled and ripped and super. You can be four percent body fat, but if you're flat, in other words, like think of your muscles as being something obviously you can't, but that you could fill with air, like with a pump mm-hmm. glycogen and sodium and some fluid fill the muscles up and expand them to look, you know, to look bigger under the, under the fascia, under the skin. And it's a chess match because if, if you, you want to look full, you want your muscles to look round and, you know, I call it 3d physique. You want your physique to look 3d and round and separated but the more fuller you get, the closer you risk spilling over. Mm-hmm. But now if you, if you don't roll the dice and you're too conservative because if you're afraid of spillover, then you're going to look flat. And even though you might be 4% body fat, it's just, you just look like a, a really like lean a guy. You look like yeah. a pencil up there compared yeah. to Yeah, you're, back to, you're bra- back to Brad Pitt and Fight Club. Super lean, but not full. You know, to give that because you want those theater lights bouncing off the ridges and curvature of an inflated muscle and you Mm -hmm. inflate the muscles with carbohydrate and sodium and a little bit of water. You play that chess match and some fat and some fat, too. And so now I've learned, you know, like Melvin said, he's like, you're going to have freaking two cheeseburgers and a large fry before you go to bed. And then you're going to wake up the next morning. You're going to have a stack of fucking pancakes. You're going to have a fucking donut and you're going to have whatever (laughs) you want. And then before you go on stage, I'm going to feed you five slices of pizza and a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> and then we're going to pump up and your skin's going to be so tight. You're going to probably not be able to move and you're going to go out there and rock it. And because he's like, we're done playing conservative. We're done. Yep, and I agree 100 percent. Yeah, I would. I mean, what, do we, what at this point, what if, do we have to lose? We've learned this several times now. What, what the hell do we have to lose? But like you make no, the adjustment. That's it. And, you know, that you always take risks. Yeah. In order to achieve the greatest reward. Yeah. So that's the risk I'm going to take. So, you know, I'm going to go full on John Meadows at the end, whatever it takes. If it comes down to egg whites and sugar-free ketchup for three weeks to get as peeled to the bone as I have to get, I'm I will you, do that. That That's what I do the last three weeks going yeah. into it. Yeah. That, that's literally... That's all I did. I did white, white fish I did cod and egg whites. And egg whites. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, tilapia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just... I love it. I love it when you'll get the non-competitive science is God people. And there, trust me, and I've said this, there's a lot to be gained from science and I refer to it a lot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've had people say, I don't know why you're just doing egg whites and whitefish, you know, two weeks out. As long you stay, as long as you stay under this caloric number, you'll get there. And I'm like, whoa, I'm gonna have to throw a bullshit flag on this because I've been around it too long and I know better. I'm really sorry to burst your bubble, you know, science, Dave, but, you know, 1500 calories of white fish and egg whites and asparagus is going to present on me for competition differently than I ate the same number of calories from freaking, you know, sweet sweet potatoes and you know, whatever. I'm sorry, but, and talk well, I mean, to any pro, talk yeah. to any like high I mean, level amateur. Well, yeah. Well, think about it. How many grams of co- protein are you getting in whenever you're doing, um, well, well strict 
white fish and egg whites. I mean, exactly. if you're if you're eating every single two hours, and you still hit, I don't know, for me, 250, 250 grams of protein a day, eat just with those. I mean, you're going to maintain mm-hmm. your musculature. Yeah, and, it's and muscle that's, sparing. That's the ultimate end goal. It's muscle sparing and and protein. Of the three macronutrients, the one that is least likely to store as body fat, or maybe the better way to put it is the one that would prefer not to store as body fat is protein. Fat will convert to body fat quickly if it's overconsumed. Carbohydrates will obviously cons- convert to fat if it's overconsumed. Where protein, the likelihood of it storing as body fat is minimal. Uh, you'd have to eat it in such ridiculous excess, it's ridiculous. And as long as you're getting, you know, a little bit of healthy fats in there, uh, then I mean, then you're good to go. That's, that's the diet right there. So, I mean, I, I could, you know, I, th- I think when I was two weeks out, two, three weeks out last time, it was cod and uh, egg whites, scant amounts of chicken breast that I literally meticulously cut every piece yeah, of fat I off cut I could. Chicken, I cut chicken in about three, well, three weeks left. So three at the three-week mark, I had three weeks left, um, including peak week. It was straight fish and egg whites, nothing else. Right. Well, with some actual eggs, I threw a couple eggs in there with my egg whites. But other than that, yeah, I, I, I did. I, had, I did a yolk or two. I did uh, a fiberized supplement to help with with my digestion. And, I did that too. Yeah. And um, would do a super green supplement just to make sure that I'm still getting um, some, you know, adequate number of vitamins and minerals to make sure that I'm not, you know, just going to completely, completely. <laughs> lay flat on the ground, you know, but <laughs> yeah, I did, uh, I would do some MCT oil or an egg yolk or two, which became my source of fat, but it was more fat for energy than it was for anything else. And I would just do my animal yeah. packs, you know, like you would do your green drink. And, you know, my mainstays for supplementation are always, I do one gram of omega threes every day and I do 10,000 I use a vitamin D and then I do, you know, pop one K2 with the vitamin D and an animal pack and that's it. And then, you know, you know, do a, a shitload of creatine and, and, uh, but then I even stopped that several weeks out. Yeah. No creatine for me. On that um, pack. and then it just became, you know, bland repetition at that point. And that's just, that's just what it is. Yep. That is exactly what it that's is, what it is. So going back to what we put in, to our bodies, um, being that we're talking to a ketogenic bodybuilding, um, well, I guess you could say fan base group. Um, what would you put into your diet, like on a bulk and what do you, um, what are some of the first things that you would take out? Okay. Like literally the first things that you would take out, um, going into your cut. I'm not an obese guy, obviously. Um, so it's safe for me to calculate by body weight, not mm-hmm. lean body weight. Uh, so I will do roughly for a prep, especially a gain, I'll do about a gram and a half of protein per pound of body weight, and I'll do anywhere from 0.75 to one gram of fat per pound of body weight, uh, which is a good whack of calories. Um, and then for somebody out there who is carrying maybe a lot of excess body fat, then you might want to revert back to the lean body weight or maybe try goal body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously if you're, you know, 25% body fat, 
that 1.5 and that 0.75 might be excessive because you're calculating it against fat mass, which is non-metabolically active tissue. Mm-hmm. And it would kind of be a waste, be too much. But I can safely, because I never really ever get above 12 to 14% even off season. So I can go for 1.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight, and then I do 0.75 grams of fat per pound of body weight. That's my always my start. And then now, right now, this you want to get to the the blasphemy part of this podcast. <laughs> and a lot, if you're in the ketogenic bodybuilding group and you've been around a while, you're going to be like, yeah, we know this, no big fucking deal, relax, bro. But right now, I'm taking a little bit more carbohydrate, and mm-hmm. I'm doing that for the first couple of months. Yeah, and that, I think a key point that you need to bring up to some, some folks is um, you are allowed to do that because you have done the work to do that. Yes. Yeah. And and we're not saying that you can right out of the gate go out here and, and just eat 200 grams of carbs right before you, right before your workout. You need to actually go through the work, go through the process, yeah, exactly. learn the diet, and yeah. that sort of thing. I and, have de- I have developed the metabolic flexibility to do this. I've been doing ketogenic diets for over a decade and the way my body works and the way it soaks up carbohydrate, like right now on a minimum day, I'm taking in hundred grams of carbs. So I will do, you know, I, I do my, my typical morning protein with my tablespoon of MCT oil, 50 grams protein. And then you're here in the gym with me. You'll mm-hmm. see that, that Ground beef. That second breakfast. No, this, that's, th- beef, that's, thir- that's third Every, breakfast. <laughs> that's third breakfast. <laughs> second, second breakfast second is breakfast. I'll do three to four whole eggs and a cup of egg whites. And I'll do a half a cup of oatmeal with water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like 27 grams of carbs. And then um, I will calculate like a couple meals later. I'll either do just 12 to 14 ounces of ground beef by itself And then, uh, or sometimes I'll do, uh, some sort of a chicken breast and I'll do like some cream of rice, but I'll calculate it down. Like a typical serving of cream of rice is like 40 some grams, I think. So I'll titrate it down a little bit to get closer to that, you know, 25, 27 grams again. Gotcha. Like I did the the oatmeal. Yeah. So for those of you wondering like, where's that throwing his macros and that sort of thing that typically is right there, right with your macros. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, and then now here's the thing. Um, I'll call that the, the non TKD carbs. I'll usually be somewhere around the 65, 75 on a big day, hundred grams of carbs right mm-hmm. now. And this is a short period of time. And then pre-workout I'm doing a 50 gram scoop of this stuff called carbolin. It's a fast absorbing carbohydrate powder. And I will mix that with an additional 50 grams of protein. So I'll do a 50, 50 carbohydrate and protein mix. And then, uh, because that protein, you know, is going to help with that absorption as well. And I want to have those amino acids in my bloodstream to carry me through intra workout. And even a little bit post, I want to keep my muscle saturated with the amino acids. I'll take in that fast absorbing, uh, carb powder and that's 30 minutes before we lift and I'll throw in a scoop of pre-workout with it. It's like mm-hmm. my concoction. And then I'll get us through our grueling workout. And then that, you know, the way we train, and that's another, that's another, that's a good point in the back of my head. And I don't know if you do this, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, I just dropped 50 grams of freaking carbs. We don't want that shit to spill over. We want to use every gram. Yeah. We we're using these carbs right yeah, now. That's the it's thing. a calculated tool. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, am I working 
in, in the gym failure. to a point where that 50 grams of carbs, which is fast absorbing anyway, is going to be soaked up like a sponge, spent, burnt, and poof, gone like exhaust out of my body by the time that workout's over or, or very shortly after. So that's the goal of the high intensity workout to burn through those carbs and utilize those carbs as a tool to get through that high intensity. And then it's another protein shake, 50 grams of whey immediately after no fat, no carbs. And then it's back on the meat wagon, <laughs> you yep, know, another still, 12 to 14 health. grams of ground beef or steak, steak and eggs, something like that. Yeah. Something high in, well, not necessarily high, well, high in protein still, you can still get the yeah, you get healthy a, saturated fats, but big whack of protein, healthy fats. And then we go home and then it's dinner with the family. And my wife being the ultimate bodybuilding prep wife knows it Keep better it be a gigantic fucking pile of meat. <laughs> uh, that's when, that's when I'll get some vegetable matter in on occasion because she likes to do some broccoli or some cauliflower. She'll do like a, like a sauteed something in a pan, like onions and cauliflower and whatever the hell she makes and you know, all these things. And, and then, uh, I'll see where I'm at for the day. And then so before bed, it might be a little bit more lean protein. It might be, I, I'm one of these weirdos that just never gets tired of eggs. So I can do another cup eggs. of egg whites with a, with a couple whole eggs. I might do another 50 grams of whey and then I'm off to bed early to recover uh, because that's so critical because Jesus, you know, we don't want to go through what we go through and then not give the body ample time to recover and grow. That's the whole yeah, point. That's the, the I had a client point. today, God bless her. She's a fantastic client. She's killing it right out of the gate. But they, this was every single week. And I talked about it in episode five. And, and, and you thought I was lying, people? It happened today. And if she's listening, you're awesome. I love you, but I hope you learned. She's <laughs> like, why am I not getting six workouts? I said, because you do not need six you workouts. don't need that many. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I've always done six. That's probably why you hired me. <laughs> Wasn't working. Probably not getting anywhere, are you? Wasn't working. You're going to get somewhere People now, don't equate. Yeah, oh God, I hope so. <laughs> People don't equate excessive workout with lack of result. That never comes into their mind. They're thinking about the muffin they had three days ago, but they're not thinking about the fact that they've probably been grossly overtrained for the last year. They never give their body ample time to recover and grow. They're probably only getting five hours of sleep a night. They, their adrenals might be taxed. They might be stressed to the damn gills. They might have massive cortisol secretion because of lifestyle stressors yes. and things like that. And you don't need another stressor of overtraining on top of the stressors that you're receiving everywhere else. And, and I told her today, I said, listen, I do four days. I do a four day split. And, and you know, what am I doing on days five, six, and seven resting, mm -hmm. letting the magic happen. I'm benefiting from the breakdown of the stress that we put ourselves through, you know, as well as I do, Ryan, and you can tell the listeners this because sure. it's sort of like <laughs> if I tell my wife something, I'm a fucking <laughs> idiot. But if somebody else tells her it's gospel, like, oh. <laughs> oh, I need to pay more attention to that. He's a genius. <laughs> you Rob, you shut the hell up and you take out the damn trash. Okay. <laughs> We I'm love kidding. You, Nancy. We love Nancy. She's awesome. Um, now I lost my train of thought because I'm thinking about I might get I might get in trouble. Yeah, you're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Now I was thinking. Of, now I'm thinking about Nancy. Um, something to do with overtraining. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. You know as well as I do. We go through a brutal back and biceps workout on Monday. Yes. We kill our shoulders on Tuesday, mm -hmm. and then what do we do? We take things up a notch by doing fucking legs on Wednesday. Yep. 
Thursday? Are we ever motivated to train on Thursday? Well, I got to tell you, I mean, I was pretty tired today. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Are we training right now? No, no we're, we're talking sitting, to relaxing. you wonderful people because I think the calculated Thursday off is absolutely necessary. You have it's, to take it, time off. You got to take time off. And then tomorrow after we eat donuts, chest, we're going to hit chest and triceps hard as shit. And then what? Two days off. Yep. The whole weekend. Grow, 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 rest, rest, rest. You know, and I, and I mentioned this, I go to bed at the same time as most toddlers do, maybe even <laughs> earlier, but I go to bed seriously about 7.30, you know, 8 o'clock every night. And that's because I have to get up at 3.30. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's about calculating hours of sleep for ample recovery because I'm not 25 years old. I have to take every strategic advantage that I can to be the best that I possibly can. And probably the greatest thing you can do to help yourself is more recovery. Yeah. And yeah, I think by now, I think that should be general knowledge. I mean, you would think, yeah, I would think, Um, but it's not, but I mean, the more you give your body time to recover, um, well, the better results that you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. So, Okay, so we're, we're at an hour and 45 in. So, wow. ba- yeah, can you believe how time flies? <laughs> That's amazing. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's like we Didn't just started. Like so we talked about if if we're in a game, like right now, Ryan and I are in a game phase. So, you know, and I don't know if he's doing, if he's doing different, you know, tell the listeners, but I'm doing that. I just basically, basically broke down my day and it doesn't really change. And then uh, the only thing that I didn't mention in the way I just ate is I will do the big refeed on Sunday. And I will take anywhere on, on a gain phase. I'm taking in anywhere from five to 700 grams of carbs on a Sunday. And it is from, you know, the, the carbs that we spoke of earlier. It's from sweet potatoes, rice, mm-hmm. potatoes, uh, granola, all cereal, the all the good stuff. Um, and I will have an occasional cheap meal right now because I know yeah. I can. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't care if I go have a giant burrito the size of my head. I know that yeah, that's and okay. See me, and I'm not talking to every single person out there, me trying to put on as much, literally as much weight as I possibly can and much mass as I possibly can is I'm not necessarily worried about like every two weeks or so I'm going to have like say a burger or something like that. I'm not oh, necessarily, shit, no. I'm, not, I'm not going to worry about like crap. I didn't, um, get my carbohydrates from just sweet potato, all the healthy stuff. I'm literally trying to eat my weight <laughs> yeah, all absolutely. the time, all just the time. Eating machines. We're like and sharks. So uh, a big thing that I like to do, um, especially now, especially now that I'm really, really trying to take it up a notch and really trying to put on some mass is um, a good mass gainer shake. And mm-hmm. for some of you guys that out there that um, are actually trying to gain weight on a ketogenic protocol, it's, it's really not that difficult. Um, especially if you, well, I mean, if you get your macros right and you get your calories right and you can actually, for me, just me personally, if I put it in liquid form, it's easy. Um, well, you're the only freak that I know that (laughs) drinks his chicken. All right. Back up. So yeah, (laughs) true story. I've seen some crazy ass shit, but drinking your chicken might be one of the weirdest. All right, guys. So true story. Um, true story time, story time. Um, (laughs) uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll make two chicken breasts on the skillet, on the hot plate, back there in the break room, and season it, everything, just like you're getting ready to eat it. And I'll literally take it, I'll cut it up, I'll throw it in the blender, and drink it, just like it's chicken soup. It's really not that bad. And then I look at it and I go, (laughs) (laughs) For me, just for me personally, I, it's hard for me to force myself to eat that much, like literally chew. 
literally chew oh, that see, much. See, I love to chew food. See, me, if I can get it in liquid form and I can drink it, it's better for me. All right, so and, there you go, people. You just got a, a life hack. <laughs> drink your chicken. <laughs> it's not for everyone. We're going to put it on a t-shirt. I'm drink gonna your go chicken. And t- I'm going to go and tell you right now, don't try it with fish. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not for everyone. But a good mask shake that I've found is free information is, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows this by now too. If you throw heavy whipping cream in any of your coffee, like in the morning, you can however much you need, you can measure it out in the morning. Um, especially for me, like you can, I think it's one cup is close to 400 calories mm-hmm. or something like that. You can throw a cup of heavy whipping cream and that's just a fourth of the shake that you can put in there, but throw a couple extra, throw a couple scoops of whey protein along with some whole milk, um, or almond milk unsweetened almond milk um with some all natural peanut butter i mean mm-hmm. i'm telling you i mean that's a killer it, i mean if you, you could even throw like an mct shot in yeah, there yeah yeah and that's that's another main one that i yeah that i forgot is mct oil um and if you break it down i mean the macros are on point it's literally yeah. it's literally 60 percent fat 40 percent protein it's that's right a, there that's on point and, that's and on i point. mean you can get upwards to around a thousand to twelve hundred calories in one of those bad boys. So I mean, if you just take in about one, two, three, however much you need, however much weight you're trying to gain, I mean. Now yeah. the disclaimer would be that this wouldn't be somebody who's very obese. No, this would be for the not. guy that's trying to Literally gain mass, trying, trying to gain mass on a ketogenic, fairly protocol. lean, relatively lean, trying to put on mass, ketogenic style, carbs just don't work. I mean, we've all seen these mask gainer shakes that have like 400 grams of carbs. And it's just from sugar and garbage and shit and maltodextrin and, and just stuff that would make me like make this inflamed, puffy piece of shit yep. if I drank them like I did back in the 90s. I could get away with it then. I was 25. But Who now that it? would just light me up. What? Didn't Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day say something about heavy whipping cream? Like he would literally take like... I don't know that, but I know this. Um, and... There's another reason I wish Melvin would, we need to get him in here. Back in the 90s, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were in the back room of the gym that we were training in because they used to let us make shakes afterwards because we practically lived there. Mm-hmm. And Melvin came to me, He's and, and I could be wrong about this. And if I am, I apologize. There is a, a very popular pro from the 90s named Vince Taylor. Oddly, Vince was known for being this genetic super freak that really didn't train very hard that he didn't have to. The guy could just train kind of lightweight and just blow up. But I think if, if it's not Vince, I'll, I'll, I'll retract that and correct it in another episode. But he, Melvin kept talking about wanting to try what he called at that time a high-fat diet. And he's like, there's several pros that still love and follow a high-fat diet in the off-season, in the gain season. Mm-hmm. And there was a period of about of months Back in like 96. Virtually every person that I've researched, I mean, whole milk, anything. Yeah, we were doing doing heavy whipping cream in our protein shakes back in the 90s when when that was utter blasphemy to the normal person. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I noticed was, damn, these are good. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty tasty. These are freaking great, like thick and rich and awesome. But yeah, we would do like half or more heavy cream because you couldn't do all heavy cream because it would turn into like a block. <laughs> yeah, you don't <laughs> You'd have to that. eat it with a spoon That'd be or weird. like a ch- chisel. <laughs> and so you do like half heavy whipping cream, half whole milk, and we do like three scoops of whey. That back then it was designer protein we used. 
I forget what, maybe it was peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And God, we, we grew like weeds and mm-hmm. didn't really get anything. There was no detrimental effects. And, you know, we kind of went off that after a while. I don't know why, because it was working mm-hmm. and it was, it was, we enjoyed it and our strength went through the roof. But, you know, you go back to the, you know, the, the, the old days, the golden era, those guys were eating steak and eggs, man. Like yeah. the sixties bodybuilders, fifties and sixties was the Vince Garanda 36 egg a day diet that he swore would double your test numbers. And I've had people literally say, yeah, I tried it and my test went up like 300 points. You know, which makes sense, really. I mean, and I've got chickens, by the way. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> but, but I don't know that I could eat 36 eggs That's a day. That's a lot of eggs. <laughs> but uh, Vince Garanda, who arguably had one of the most incredible physiques for his era, this guy was chiseled for back in the 50s, I think it was the 50s, and he would do 36 eggs a day and swore by that. And But, you know, point was, is they were doing steak, eggs, whole milk, you know, that was their thing. They, they were doing some carbs low, too. Yeah, low carb, but still higher fat, higher protein, Absolutely. low carb diet. And that's what and worked. And that's what worked. So none of this stuff is new. And, you know, there was the anabolic diet, you know, back in the 90s, which was more ketogenic or fat based. And, you know, so it's not like this shit is new. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like this is some weird ass shit. And, you know, we could even take this back to the hunter gatherer days. We're still all to this day. I will argue that the leanest, fittest, most disease-free people on the fossil record were the hunter-gatherers who subsisted off fatty meat. That was the goal. Mm-hmm. That was always the goal. You know, they they gathered when they didn't catch anything. It's not like they preferred to eat sticks and twigs and leaves and branches. The, the goal was to kill something, drag it back, and that, to them, was the pinnacle of life. And, uh, you know, that hasn't changed. And... So, yeah, so, you know, that's how we eat. It's, and like I said, I'm doing a little bit more carbohydrate now because I know how my body works. I know how to make it work. And a hundred grams of carbs is still low carb. Yeah. And that was going back to my point to make, fitting your macros in parentheses. (laughs) But I mean, whenever you're fat adapted and that sort of thing, and you're using carbohydrates as a tool, I mean... Yeah, 100 grams is 100 grams. I mean, whenever you're getting, say, I don't know for certain, like, say, 300 grams of protein and another, don't correct me on my math, but, say, 150 grams of fat or something like that, I'm pretty sure that that pie chart would look roughly about the ketogenic. Yeah, I mean, you know, if when I when I do, uh, even when I do my 1.5, Right. No, if you got about, about a gram of protein and then about, you know, 0.5 or 0.75, even though, you know, those numbers are very, very different, you know, percentage wise, mm-hmm. they, they, they're very similar. They're close to half and half, but, yeah. uh, but that definitely works. And the thing is, is, you know, back to timelines, we kind of touched on that, you know, September, October, November, especially for me is, is the, the pinnacle of my gain phase. Mm-hmm. Those are the three critical months. And then my goal for December, looking at my calendar, I'll sort of sort of maintain a little bit. And then starting January, that's when my taper starts. There won't be 100 grams of carbs in my diet anymore. That'll start to taper down. I'll rely more on healthy fats, still keep the protein jacked. It's going to be a literal weekly evaluation beginning January 1. And that's when you make the adjustments. And once we know the hard and fast dates on these competitions, that's when we'll say, okay, here's show day one, back up 12 weeks, 
you know, let's get to the point where everything is exactly the way we want it. So when we land 12 weeks out, that's when we go very hard cut mm-hmm. and start taking it to that level, you know, and, and we've definitely learned that the higher protein helps maintain lean mass. And we also are fully aware that you're going to lose a little and that's okay. It's and that's okay. why we work so hard now to make sure that you know, when we do drop a little bit of lean mass, it's still okay. We still have what we need to, to present well on stage. So that's what it is. That's, that's the recipe. And the recipe though, isn't complicated. You it's know, really you can not. put it on a three by five freaking card. It's the follow through. Mm-hmm. It's, it's putting it into motion that most people cannot do. Yep. How many clients do you deal with on a daily basis that are like, screw that dude. There's no freaking way. <laughs> every single one, every single one, every single one. And because, that's, that's why it takes a special individual male or female to say, I'm going to take the next eight months to a year out of my life. And well, you got to think and do exactly what you tell me to do. Yeah. Most people, they don't want to put that much time in ever. <laughs> yeah. And this would offend you, <laughs> but I, I don't think it will because I think you're, you're wiser than your age. But I really think that this, the current generational landscape that we're in just does not have the work ethic. No, it doesn't. That I grew up with, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. I just don't think, I have not seen it as much. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I don't see and it. And I don't know if it's technology, and, social media, I mean. And, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up with parents from that era. And, I mean, they were hard on me. They instilled hard work ethic in me at a young age and just athletic career that instilled hard work ethic in me. And... I don't know. It's just part of who I am. And it's very sad to see. um, It's always sad to see people who are not willing to put in the work to achieve. And then they wonder why they're not achieving what they want to achieve. And then you tell them and it's just, well, I I don't know what to tell you. But that's part of our job is literally to tell people not what they want to hear, but what what they they need need to hear. And I remember that's the first thing that you told me whenever uh, I walked in here for the first day. Uh, that that's our job is to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. You got to be and, brutal on people, but let them know that it's coming from a, a place of care and concern. Yeah, that's it. It's like being a parent. Mm-hmm. It literally is. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be hard on you, but I'm doing this. So t- you will learn and benefit the most that you can. You know, we say, what's, what's a parent's job to pre- really, it's to prepare their kids to leave. Mm hmm. It really is. Uh, you want to instill so much wisdom, knowledge, care, and love into them that when they when they leave the house to go be their own adults and live their lives, that you've prepared them to go do that and not fall on their face as best as you can. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with a client, you know, with with the exception of a couple that I work with, a couple people that will literally die here. There's no <laughs> way I'm getting rid of them. <laughs> But you know, you know that just about any relationship, even the long-term clients, it's never forever. Yeah. So you've got to prepare them so when they finally do leave your instruction, like, all right, that they've I got the tools they very, need yeah. and, and really work ethic. We really instilled really good habits. Right. The knowledge is important, but the work ethic and the, the habits and, and all that. It, I have clients that have literally been with me since 2005. Mm-hmm. They know how to work out. Yeah. They, yeah. know, they know as much about working out as I do and they, they could do this shit in their sleep, but they come to me for that accountability, for those occasional words of wisdom, for that support 
because it's familiar, it's accountable for whatever reason. But for most people, you know, I've got to make sure that when they're ready to embark, I don't want it to be an experience where they leave me because of failure. They just couldn't do it. I want them to leave me saying, you've taken me to a level that I never thought I would ever to be able to accomplish on my own. You, you've taught me, you've mentored me, you've instilled me with knowledge, you've given now me a work ethic. Go. Now I'm ready to spread my wings, jump off the cliff and fly and, really and go do my do. own thing and see what I can do. And then I would applaud and fist bump and pump my fist in the air and say, go, go conquer. Yep. There's always and someone. Check in every once in a while and tell me how great you're conquering, you know? Yep. And there's always another person that needs help. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my phone's ringing, so that tells me that Nancy says, you guys have been talking for two freaking hours. So, (laughs) well, (laughs) you can always count on Nancy to to rein us back in and and bring us back to reality. But, uh, man, anything else you want to throw in there before we check out? Man, I really think that we covered just about everything. Um, We covered what we do on a bulk. We covered what we did on a cut. We covered prep. We covered whiskey. uh, Yeah, we covered whiskey. First thing. Everything. I think we got it all. Well, I think the other thing I've learned is is we need to have you back more often. Absolutely. I'll be I'll be on so every you, week if you want it. You, you wanna you wanna make this a regular thing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know for a fact people have gotta be tired of listening to my freaking ass spew on and on for two hours at a time. <laughs> absolutely. So I'll be more than happy to come on. Anytime. Plus the fact that, you know, bodybuilding, the sport of it, the lifestyle, it's such a unique thing. To have somebody to discuss it with, mm-hmm. my like I said, my wife is the greatest prep wife in the world. She doesn't know who the hell half the bodybuilders I follow are. She doesn't follow the sport. She follows me doing the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. None of my clients know who the fuck Hottie Chopin is. <laughs> none of my clients know who you know Chris Bumstead is. They don't know who I. Is he a running back? Uh, uh, you know, so. If at the very minimum we can sit here and and talk about the sport and give people some knowledge and you know having somebody to bounce ideas off of and and you brought up things today that oh shit yeah that's a that's a you know, let's yeah we need to talk about that yeah. so all right cool yeah, absolutely well that's I hope you guys for. I hope you guys have enjoyed it uh, let us know what you think please if you're not a member of the ketogenic bodybuilding Facebook group um, please join let us know what you think of this episode. Tell Ryan how awesome he is. Boost his ego a little bit so he'll keep coming back. Um, where should people go to follow you online? Um, well, Ryan Grant, for one, on Facebook, and then JRGCPT. You need to change that freaking handle. I know. It's weird. Nobody know What the fuck there is was that? A thing. It was a thing whenever I became a personal trainer that I changed it to certified personal trainer with my initials is just <laughs> change so we can say hey follow ryan at <laughs> something that makes sense not ryan q5792 dash yeah, hyphen okay. <laughs> so repeat it again so j r wait a minute j r g c p t okay j r g c p t that's on instagram that is on instagram or just search ryan gant yeah, on, on facebook, facebook. yeah if I'm, you, I'm part of the group so he's, I, yeah, he's part of the, he's an admin in the group even though he never talks <laughs> <laughs> if you ever have a question don't hesitate to reach out um I'll and be a little more active ryan is available for coaching he would be a spectacular coach for a, a, a physique competitor uh so go to original workout online that's the direct uh, URL to our coaching online coaching where you can hire him right there off that page. 
uh, or you can uh, go to his Instagram or Facebook and ask him any questions you might have about coaching. Obviously, I'm available for the same. So let us know what you need. And uh, hey, maybe uh, maybe it'll be me and Ryan again next week for episode seven. Yeah, we can think of other things to talk so, about. And that's another thing. Um, I'm going to do more of that ask a question bullshit on Instagram. And since I still haven't figured out how to answer them, we'll answer them here on the podcast. So keep those questions coming. We'll try to keep answering them. So until next week, everybody train their asses off, eat a big bloody steak, get lots of rest and recovery and have a great day. Say, yep. say bye, Ryan. Later, guys. Have a good one. See ya.